who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown, let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. You guys, today's episode is a real throwback, not just because this movie is from 2011, but because I have a Tumblr friend on today, Erica Padgett. We've known each other for a very long time. Um, I'm so thrilled you're here to do this movie with me. Thank you for joining. Thank you. I am simultaneously thrilled. I can't wait to get into how I I mean, it's. Honestly, maybe as old as our friendship, because I think 2011 (laughs) might be when we met. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't have cable back then. I was like really just like going through it. So I'm so glad that this is like we get to relive this moment in time. This is the fine cinema we missed out on when we were busy tumbling. I know. I don't think actually I think I did have cable. I wasn't watching Lifetime original movies, which is clearly my own bad. But like it. I I almost regret not because I feel like this is the time when I would have been like, all I want to do is drink a bunch of wine and like get into these movies, like without thinking about anything about them. I got really into Lifetime as an adult when I was living with Sarah Liz. Like, oh, sure, sure, sure. I would hog the DVR. Like it was a thing like where Sarah would be like, what Lifetime movies can I delete? And I would be like, oh, just you know, whatever. Like I literally just record the entire channel. So feel free to to delete any one of them. Um, But no, like they were, they really held my hand. I was like staying in a lot of, a lot of nights and just watching a ton of lifetime movies when I was, you know, trying to like groom myself to be a TV writer or whatever I was doing at the time. So this is like lifetime movies are so special to me. I've never seen this one. And I want to apologize in advance to whoever it was that has told me about this movie, specifically the actress's 
facial reactions. And I was oh like, oh, God. yeah, that sounds funny. And I didn't like take into account like until I'm seeing this now, this movie is ridiculous. Nobody could could nobody could like like tell you how she moves her face because it's like you can like say like, oh, she like makes a weird smirk or oh, she kind of looks herself in the mirror. But like until you see it, it's like, all right, it's sort of like lost on me, like everyone smirks. But like the way she smirks is like not of normal human behavior. No. So the actress we're talking about and I, I got, I feel so bad because I know it might have even been coordinating producer Nicole Matthew who told me about this movie, but Body Bliss is the name of the actress that plays Carrie in this movie. And she is supposed to be this like seductress con man type person. Like she is supposed to be irresistible, but I, I don't think she was meant to be doing seductive acting like that close up, maybe for like, <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Like she didn't really there was no nuance in the way she sold it or like maybe there was no smallness when they would do like close ups of her trying to be seductive with maybe like her lips to her mouth. And it just comes off a little bit like a Kristen Wiig character. It's very it's very like she had one note and it was like villain. And she was like, okay, I'm all in on this idea. (laughs) And like, that's, that's just like the energy she keeps throughout the whole movie, which she is the villain, but like she plays it to such an extreme, like she's the Joker. She is. Oh my God. That makes, that's such a good comparison. (laughs) She is. She's like, but yeah, I wouldn't say that she would come off evil. If I worked at a restaurant with her, like I would just think like, Oh, she's just, She's just eccentric. Like she's kooky. Like she's just like, oh, all of us are, you know, 22, 23, 24. And then we have our 35 year old coworker. And she's just like, I mean, not even to like borrow this phrase, but I feel like if I was working with her, I'd be like, oh, she's just the crazy cat lady. Like she's just like, right. She probably stays in on the weekends. She like, when we ask her, what'd you get up to? She like did like a crossword and she like ate ice cream. Like she's like, oh, She's sort of like the older lady we work with, but I would never be like, okay, but that lady's like has like some psychopathic tendencies. I'm just realizing that that's like probably exactly how I would be described if I worked (laughs) at a restaurant with 25 year olds. They'd be like, yeah, she's like, cool. She's just like really into her own thing. (laughs) Like, No, but okay. So then Ashley Leggett, I believe her name is. So she plays the, I would almost say, Kaylee Cuoco as character in this movie of Ashley. And I think she's great. It's funny you say that because I literally thought, how much do I wish this was remade with Kaylee Cuoco as this character? I also got this extreme like Lauren Conrad energy, but I think it's just because it's she like of the time where she has the like brownish blondish hair and she wears a lot of like very 2011 clothes and her voice has the same like timbre but she is she's like she's like a little bit plucky she's like kind of naive she's very earnest she's like she's like the genuine protagonist that's like oh all I was trying to do was get my degree and bridge the relationship with my dad and then some crazy shit came up 
And you feel like good for her when she starts to put things together later on. You're like, good for her. Like, (laughs) I doubted this character. (laughs) She seems to struggle for so long to believe that anyone could ever be bad. That once she's like, oh, weird. A lot of like stuff is happening one after another. Maybe some people in this world aren't nice. You're like, oh, my God, thank you. I'm so thankful to witness your awakening that good and evil exist on this earth. Right. No, for real. And then I will give another shout out to coordinating producer Nicole Matthew because William R. Moses plays Richard and Nicole loves William R. Moses. He's like, you know, what's so weird is he's been on TV. I looked up his IMDb because I couldn't shake. Like, where do I know this man from? I honestly think I know him. I'm pretty sure he plays Mary Kate Ashley's dad or something in the detective movies. But he's in them. And I feel like I've seen him be someone else's dad like 20 years ago. But he he's got the iconic face. He's done all the big hits, right? Like all the things that would have been somewhat adjacent to us growing up. Like he did Ali McBeal. He did Jag. He did Touched by an Angel, Seventh Heaven, um, Crossing Jordan. Like these are the big hits of like growing up. And that's why he has that just he's so recognizable. There's something about his face that's just so recognizable, almost the same way that like Ed Begley Jr. is comforting or even before, you know, the fall of what happened there, uh, Stephen Collins. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's funny you mentioned Seventh Heaven, but for for a second, I honestly thought they that hit that was him. Like when I first saw him, I was like, oh, it's the dad from Seventh Heaven. And then I realized that it isn't. But they have the same like fatherly energy, like in when they act as someone's dad. Yeah, no, sadly, in addition to being like an unofficial Taylor Swift, uh, Degrassi, uh, Juggalo, Juno, uh, Juno Temple podcast. This is also a Seventh Heaven podcast like that. I bring that up a little, unfortunately, too much. I fuck it's, with Seventh Heaven. I mean, it's influential. Like, I wouldn't say like, oh, Seventh Heaven was like my sexual awakening. But you might recall, <laughs> no. I think it's the pilot or the second episode where Mary has to go out with this guy and she's like, Oh, but like, I don't know how to kiss. He's going to kiss me at the end of the date. And then I think her old brother's name is Matt, but Matt's like, Oh, it's really easy to kiss. Like I'll show you. And then they like almost kiss. And I remember like at like nine or 10 being like, yeah, fucking kiss. Like I like wanted to see it. I know. Okay. So that is, I think episode two, because episode one was mostly centered around Matt going to high school. And I think he might've met his deaf girlfriend in that episode. Do you remember Matt had a deaf girlfriend? Why? This is a tangent, but like, why are so many shows of that era? I just rewatched weeds and like in the first season of weeds, the older brother Silas has a deaf girlfriend. Why was this like a weird mini trope on TV shows? Well, I think that like that was an easy sort of inclusion when people started talking about like representation in television and media. And so I think that that was always an easy inclusion. Never the deaf boyfriend, though. Always the deaf girlfriend. Well, men can't be deaf. That's scientific. Well, what would be their point? Right. They're useless, right? right? (laughs) On a TV show? Come on. 
I mean, if they can't even talk, yeah, it's like, get out of here. We didn't need to cast you. At least women are like beautiful. Like, what is a man going to be like, oh, I'm dressed in like a shirt. Like, okay, leave. So, no, that was the second episode, I think. And like, they were, I think, trying to do a little, you know how there was so much sexual tension between Brandon and Brenda on 90210? Yes. I think Seventh Heaven was trying to acknowledge and also scoop in potentially whatever Dawson's Creek fans, like whatever crossover that was, which is where I fell in. <laughs> whatever Dawson Creek fans were willing to entertain a show about a Christian family, I think they were trying to to get whoever they could from that sort of scene. And also play up the idea before things got too serious and it would be mental for the Camdens to potentially make out as if it's okay when we only right. know them two episodes in. But yeah, like it was a little flowers in the attic flirtation and they teased that. That was like the commercial. Are, are Matt and Mary going to make out? <laughs> Which like, uh, what? it's just what a time. What a different, what a different time when like what teens wanted was this. People will never know what we went through. I'll tell you, we've seen some shit. <laughs> Yeah, we were in the trenches. We were waiting for a brother and sister on television to make out. Like, that's our collective trauma. And then I cover Flowers in the Attic on here, and I'm like, this is insane. Like, who would write this? Like, this this woman has mental problems. Like, I fully, like... But then, meanwhile, I'm watching, like, a Christian teen show with, like, a pedophile as the lead um, (laughs) about incestual kissing. So, anyway... We open up on a city at night and police cars are speeding through tunnels with sirens on and they arrive to a suburban home where some poor schmuck is inside reading a newspaper and his wife comes downstairs and is like, what's going on? He's like, I have no idea. So he answers the door and this guy, Marty, is arrested for the murder of Shay Benson and his wife, Carrie, is given the search warrant. And she's like, I don't get it. Who's Shay Benson? So then we cut to 11 months later. And we're at a restaurant in this city and this young server, Ashley, is flirting with the bartender, Matt. And then we see Marty, the dude who was arrested in the first scene's wife, Carrie. She's working there now. And um, she's very much partaking in the flirty workplace culture of the restaurant industry, which feels inappropriate. Well, I do want to note that Something I I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it, though. How could I forget is that that scene where we meet Ashley and she's flirting with the bartender. That is such it's Vanderpump. Like, I was like, this feels I am so so Vanderpump. Dude, I am like so happy you picked up on that because I was like, this is what a like a scripted season of Vanderpump rules would be. This, that is yes. I am so fucking like how wild. I'm so glad that you thought of that, too, because I was like, this is that's that's what this movie is. It's Vanderpump rules. It's flirty restaurant energy. It's like interpersonal relationships get really out of control in these work environments. And this is what that is. Right. Instead of Lisa, though, the older woman dynamic is one of the servers, which like makes it a huge mess. But I literally had to like pause the movie so I could look up the bartender that isn't Jax because I was like, Ashley is Stassi. And then I was like, who is this bartender? Remind me of. And it's like, do you remember Frank that Stassi dated for like, yes. And it's like, that's Frank. The other guy who comes up, I was like, this is. Yes. Like. I forget 
Tom's real. I'm fortunately sorry if Tom ever hears this. I call him anime Tom. <laughs> anime Tom. Like, like that other guy who comes up is anime Tom. I was like, this is this is like the the deleted scenes from Vanderpump that like weren't as interesting as when like Jax is around. But like this is that the is hilarious. Project. No, it definitely filled my Vanderpump craving. <laughs> And it's way before we would ever know that any of these people might just get fired from the show. So, um, okay. Another waiter. So Kyle comes over and tells Ashley that her dad's party was in the newspaper this weekend. It was on the front page of the society section. And right away you get like the vibe that Ashley does not fuck with her dad. Um, it doesn't, it's not as, it's not necessarily clear, but she definitely doesn't like to be associated with it. Yeah, she doesn't like talking about him and she clearly she clearly has like a relationship that's weird, but we get pretty early on the vibe that her dad clearly is like somebody. He's like rich, he's important, everyone knows him. Yeah, society pages. So Outside in the parking lot, we see this blonde woman who, like, I couldn't really get a read on her face at first. I actually thought that this was Carrie without the wig because I did, too, because the wig is so bad. I was like, they're for sure showing us this because she'll remove it. Now, this is a shocking wig they picked for Carrie. It is so dowdy. Like, it's such an unattractive haircut on a young woman. It's it doesn't have any like. It's not styled artistically like when she shows up to the ballet or to the theater later on. Her hair looks kind of cool, like she's done something with it. She looks a little like I'm getting an Audrey Hepburn moment from her. But this haircut is like a bad flat bowl cut. In the most medium of browns, it it looks like the haircut that the kid from The Shining has. Like the little boy, like it's like it's extremely like young and boyish, but it's like not there's no shape to it. She has like the like what's it called? The bang, the all around bang. <laughs> like the Yes. Whole- yeah. Well, like it. OK, it is boyish, but like not in like a Demi Moore way. Or no, like it's a not cool androgynous. It's just like ugly. It's like when your mom cuts your hair with like the bowl and it's like, oh, th- my hair has been ruined. Yeah, not like to be too recent with my references, but it's very like Cousin Oliver, even. I'd go there. Yes, exactly. Just like a little boy. So, okay, this blonde is in the parking lot breaking windows of a random car, and she steals a laptop bag out of the back seat. At the end of the night, Ashley asks Carrie to take her last table so she can finish some schoolwork. And Carrie's like, yeah, no, that's not a problem. But then when Ashley gets outside, we see that the car that the mystery blonde broke into was her car. And all of that work she's been doing is gone. So the cops come to file a report and Ashley and Matt, Stassi and Jax are in the back. I don't know. Matt, we can't call Matt Jax. That's that's he's, rude. He's Frank. He's Frank. But Frank's a bad dude. Matt's a good dude. Well, he's not Bo. Right. Doesn't have the charisma. No, for sure. So, okay. Um, Ashley and Matt are in the back room and we, you know, we realize, okay, they're dating. It's not just intense work flirting. And um, she tells them that her paper was on the computer. And so were all the books she downloaded from the library, (laughs) which that made me laugh for some reason. Both times I watched it, I was like, that's fucking funny. Um, This is all going to be very expensive for her. So they go to drinks after. And for some reason, this is great. For some reason, they're playing 
some kind of like who had the worst week game, which I'm guessing, you know, they're trying to establish is some sort of like server rite of pas- like passage that they have at this workplace. I think it would be fine if they set the scene as that where it's like, okay, like who like has who's having a worse time right now. But the sheer lack of empathy they all have to one another when someone says, oh, this string of horrible things has happened to me. And then everyone like laughs lightly about it. It's like if I was the person who was like, okay, like my car got broken into my laptop, my laptop got stolen. Now I have to get that repaired. Now I have to replace my laptop. I have a paper due. And people responded to me, people who I've seen day in and day out responded to me by being like, oh, ha, 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 ha. I would be like, I have to find new friends. Like, what is going on here? Why are these people so heartless? Oh, it feels like they're trying to do like a light roast, almost like roast yourself moment where we're all going to like say what dark shit we're going through and lol about it. But then what our girl does, what Carrie does is fucking crazy. So Ashley's basically like, yeah, you know, my rent check bounced, so I can only play and pay with money orders now. And Kyle's like, why don't you just get money from your dad? And she's like, I can't. He controls me when I borrow money from him. He's trying to run my life. So then they're like, Carrie, what's the worst thing that happened to you this week? And she's like, well, I'm afraid to say I think I might have everyone beat my friend that I was living with since my divorce. Frank, he was hit by a car and killed last week. His funeral was yesterday. And now I'm going to be living in my car if I don't find a place to crash, which like. She also then immediately glosses over that. That's a heavy level of information. The next thing she says is, anyway, it's like, why did you bring this up? If like you weren't actually intent on talking about it, like the quickness with which she dismisses like a huge piece of information, her roommate slash confidant post-divorce, this person who's like her like ostensible rock has been murdered in a car accident. And then she's like, I went to the funeral. And then the next thing that comes out of her mouth is like, anyway, so look at my place to live. Yeah, in my mind, Frank was like her cool artsy friend from her early 20s who like maybe you know, like he has AIDS or something now. And so he needed the like to split an apartment like his money wasn't his income wasn't the same. And so they were living together. And like the way that she taught, that's who he was in my mind. And then when she was like, yeah, he was killed. And I went to his funeral on Tuesday. I'm like, girl, if it's Wednesday and (laughs) and I went to a funeral yesterday, I probably like just wouldn't tell anyone like or I maybe would have picked one at work. I, I would have taken the day off. Yeah. Or I would have like gone to my one work friend. Like this is a lot to like spring on four people at once. So Ashley's like, well, you know, you can come stay on my couch, which, you know, poor naive Ashley. That's a real malls move to be like, oh, yeah, like you want like my total you want my space that's fine she is so quick to offer this space to her and carrie's like well i could chip in for rent and now she's like oh i didn't even expect that but now that you mention it it would be amazing because i need to pay for all this stuff carrie's like you could even use my laptop until you need a new one and ashley's like and i'm at matt's a lot so this couldn't be better and just the amount of ways that they have created this like perfect living situation in a course of three sentences is iconic like ashley just plays along so well 
she just wants so deeply to think like, oh, why wouldn't this good Samaritan friend of mine be offering her genuine, no strings attached help? I also would be remiss. I had to note it down because it was so weird. Ashley, I think she only mentions it once at the beginning where she she wants to go home early to write her paper, but her her degree is in historical studies. And I just simply don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know what that means either that I feel like there's a few opportunities where I want to be like, well, Ashley, maybe you should listen to Richard. Maybe your dad does have some good points like the Matt thing. Not so much, but the way she's going about college is concerning to me. And also there's a major thing later where I'm like, Richard, it's time to give some notes. Yeah, she is clearly lacking like a mother figure that maybe would have sat her down to be like, what do you want to do? Okay. Well, you can't just study all of history. Uh, But I feel like they also never really give us an idea of like what happened to her mother. It's sort of like she just sprung out of this single father and they don't have a great relationship, but yeah, I feel like she's, she's sort of like doing her own thing in a way that's clearly harmful. And like maybe her parent, should have been a little firm. Like there's a moment, she's also very young. So like, I get it, but there's a moment where Matt's like, don't you have insurance to replace all this stuff? And she says, all I have is liability. And that really hit me because I didn't have insurance. That wasn't just liability until maybe like a year ago and I'm 30. So like, I get it. Like she's just extremely young and extremely dumb. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. The mom is vapor, too. That kept occurring to me that, like, she just disappeared. Like, the idea that Ashley could have ever been raised with a mother is absent in this movie. And I would say if she had a mom, hopefully the mom would have been like, hey, listen, just like work your dad enough that you can pay your way through college and then worry about the rest of your life. But like, feel free to work your dad. Right. Like learn that, like if someone is in a place to give you the help you need and they're related to you, like you don't have to like be their best friend, but you can like accept it without punishing yourself. But it's like this type of chicken soup for the soul is like what a mother is for. And like, clearly she just didn't have an opportunity to get that because she's really going so hard to be like, I hate my dad. He sucks. Like rebellious teenager deep into her 20s so godspeed but like this is what happens when you do that ashley so um after drinks we go to like this suburban house it's giving me very much like sort of roseanne's economical status (laughs) like you know what i'm saying like it's sort of just like a middle of the road neighborhood that anna and carrie live in Compared to they do a very good job of sort of establishing class differences in this movie with just like exteriors like you're either downtown and you're looking at brick exteriors or in the suburbs looking at just like homes that don't have the best views like inconvenient trees in in front of them. And then you go to like Richard's house, which is Ballin. So um we see the girl who stole Ashley's laptop at a kitchen table. And guess who comes in? Uh, let's play 722 to 853. You 
are amazing. You know that? Her taste of music sucks. Yeah, but our taste in roommates doesn't. You pulled it off. I told you I would. I move in the day after tomorrow. <laughs> she invite you to her daddy's bash? No, no, I'd even go there. I'll have plenty of opportunity when we're living under the same roof. So did you find anything useful on there? A few emails from Ashley's dad. Doesn't like her living down too. He says it's too dangerous. He <laughs> should see the neighborhood where we grew up. No kidding. They wanted to have dinner with her last week at Suzumi. She said no. Suzumi? Oh, very nice. Emails between them for the last six months. Perfect. Go do your homework. I'm sick of driving that damn cab. Trust me. It is a little reverse to broke girls energy. Yeah, it, I feel like they also establish this like vibe that maybe Anna and Carrie are like with each other like i got this kind of like pretty quick like oh this is her like partner in crime and also maybe her partner that's definitely how it seems at first and then you realize like oh these are like mud buddies like these two came up in the mud together and like just they have this fiercely codependent relationship although i would be down for them to be together i just i think sadly they're this crazy no, unfortunately, Carrie could not be more wildly straight. Like she's she's uh, fully at the hardest end of the Kinsey spectrum. Like she's extremely <laughs> straight, extremely interested only in Dick, sadly. Anna's done some stuff, though. She's she's been to prison, you know, like Anna definitely. So she, Anna is the wisest, I would say. She's at the top of the genius totem pole here. She's working Carrie really hard. To be able yeah. to get Carrie wants the lifestyle. Anna wants the money. Anna's a hardened criminal. Yeah, she's like she's seen some shit. She's understanding how it's kind of like, I mean, yes, like to go back to your two broke girls uh, metaphor. It's very like like the beauty and the brains type of thing. It's like Anna's clearly like the brawn who's like, OK, I have the perspective. I can see the bigger picture. Carrie, despite her wig, is meant to be the like the honey trap, the like face of all of it, the the like alluring person who comes in, even though I can't I can't like emphasize enough how unsexy she is in this hair. The thing is, is that she's like a beautiful woman. So it's like almost uncomfortable. It feels like almost uncanny valley to see how strangely she acts. It's like watching a robot flirt. Or like an alien who's like been watching soap operas. It's such a juvenile attempt at sexy and sultriness that I just don't know like what she's like always using like I mean we'll get to her facial expressions later, but she's always like using her lips in a way that I had to stop and be like, is she just like really proud of her lip fillers? 
like like what is this emphasis where she flirts with like her lips it's like all of it is so it's so not second nature to her that it's just weird to watch it's when mouth acting goes wrong right so Carrie moves into Ashley's place and Ashley comes out in this like tightly laced dress and she's like oh, wait, How do I before look? we before we do that I want to can we touch on the emails oh yeah 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 I had to take I had to take a picture of this image because they only for like uh, about like 30 seconds do they stay on like her emails once they break into her laptop. The email like host she's using is called Tornado, which (laughs) I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. The website they're on is tornadosearch.com. So I like have no idea what that is. But if you look at all her emails, she has like seven of them two of them are newsletters no subject line and then the other four are from her dad the subject lines are regarding living regarding dinner regarding hello regarding hi like i know that nobody probably stepped in to be like okay let's really like flesh out like what this looks like for this scene because like why would anyone think that like somebody like me would be watching it but like that they couldn't even try to make this woman look like she regularly used this email is like so funny to me. It's so stupid. No, I know it's her student email, right? So you would think that it would be full of like just syllabuses and like questions regarding study groups. And maybe they could have had some flair and put in some like newsletters from places she shops or whatever. Like that would have been really great fill out. I assume the like the re's, I assume that they are responses, but now that you point that out, Anna's like, here's the last six months of emails. And she hands Carrie what is essentially a telephone book. So and many like, papers. I just know Richard is not doing more than four sentences on email. Like, what could they possibly all have been like emails from? Like, if if she has like a back and forth with her dad four times on a subject line that's living, there's no there's no way that could be like hot and juicy gossip. Like, it's... It just is so funny because they put so much emphasis on, wow, we did it. We hacked into the mainframe or in her emails, <laughs> but it's like her emails aren't about anything. And she clearly barely uses email. Yeah, I'm worried about her. Do you think she just tries to keep it at as close to zero inbox as popular as possible? Or do you think that she's just like not a prolific emailer? I think she's just texting. I, I feel like she just she's just like you know, shoot me a text. Let's figure it out. She's trying not to leave a paper trail, which is smart. Like if anyone got into my emails from 2011, like I would hate that. So I understand. Text it all to me. Let me delete these texts in 30 days. A life goes on. Also, are we working with iPhone ones in this movie? Are you seeing like the iPhone, how bad they are? They really do. They look like iPod touches. Yes, they look they look so primitive, which is like not that I think like, okay, like obviously it's been 10 years of iPhones between this movie and now. But like looking back, I was not I didn't even have an iPhone uh, when they first came out. I was really I had a Blackberry Pearl until it was stolen from I left it in the booth at Cafe 101 and then came back two seconds later and somebody had stolen it. But 
I I was firmly a BlackBerry person. So like I didn't even get an iPhone until like the six, I think. But Same. I was not ready for how insanely bad they they look. Yeah, it's crazy to look back. And that was an acceptable phone. Got the BlackBerry Pearl. I feel like I've talked a lot about how much I miss my BlackBerry on recent episodes, but I would do anything to go back to that. It was so it's like one of those phones that like I I got it as a as like a college gift. And I remember thinking like, first off, holy shit, this phone has Internet. So I don't have to like call my mom and ask her to like read off like a MapQuest direction for me. I can actually just look it up. But I remember feeling like I'm a businesswoman. Like you feel so weirdly powerful because you have what's basically like a razor keyboard mixed with like a palm pilot it's like a pda but it's not a stylus that has a trackpad it's like it feels it feels so businessy like like you feel like uh like the most powerful business you can't be interrupted you feel like anna wintour i felt like i was making moves with my blackberry like at all points i was like yeah my inner capricorn is completely satiated by everything this phone does now it feels a little bit like I have a circus with me at all times, but okay. Moving forward. So Carrie moves into Ashley's place. Ashley is very generous. She gives Carrie like the whole bottom drawer of whatever dresser it is. And I can't tell if it's like better or worse that Carrie did not come with any of her own furnishings. She also like, it's such a, it's such a specific era for their clothing. So it's like in hindsight, did Carrie even need more than one drawer? Like all of her clothes were like, tiny and stretchy and like made out of like polyester. Like I bet you her whole wardrobe just fit in one drawer, but her taste level is so questionable, both of them, but hers, especially, I mean, again, because of the haircut, like it's like, yeah, what kind of furniture would she pick if you were, if you liked this type of hairstyle? It does seem like she sort of like spontaneously just like existed overnight and went to TJ Maxx and checked out the Jersey cotton t-shirt section that, you know, we're talking about embellishments on these shirts that are basically a series of knots that form some sort of like bib collar on the (laughs) t-shirt. Like, and then she loves a ruffle. Like she loves a full body ruffle. So a lot of her tops are like, you know, which by the way, if she's 35 years old, like it makes sense for her age range. And like, what would probably be like a 35 year old woman's body. Do you know what I mean? But she, it makes her look so like in between Like she doesn't look like she's a mom because she carries herself with this sort of youthfulness, but her wardrobe almost suggests like exhausted soccer mom, like doing her best to have a a clean top on. She's like a weird mix of always wearing like what of the time I think would be like cocktail casual. And then she's also wearing like her server, like, like post server looks, which are like comfy clothes. But then, yeah, like whenever she's like just hanging around the apartment, she's wearing like these like like very vibrant one color tops that are slightly low cut scoop neck that either have a ton of ruffles or they're really tight. Like, I mean, which also I have to talk about, like, I feel really bad, but like I thought she was a previous porn actress because her body is is so suited for that like she's very little but she has these huge tits that like 
it really feels like, like how, like how did you become a server? Like, right. Yeah. She does feel like she came out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Like she just existed in this town, which by the way, is clearly in Canada. Everyone has a deep Canadian accent. Yeah. All of like the day players, even Matt, especially I would say Roland Marty's brother. He's fully throws out an A. Yeah, they all say out with the like I was rewinding it being like, okay, I think these people are from Canada. They're all saying like, what's this a boot? Like I was like, all right, this is we're despite what we were made to believe we're not in America. But sure, like I'll, I'll keep up the charade with you guys. And it's being marketed to us as Pennsylvania. Right. As Philadelphia, which is this is I have never really been to Philly for that long of a time, but like I can't imagine it looks like any of the facades they've shown. But like, sure. okay, it's Philadelphia, Ontario, Canada, whatever. Lifetime loves Philadelphia as a location. They love it. Like it's one of their defaults besides like SoCal. Like must be from Philadelphia. There's got to be a reason. So, um, okay. So she's like, you know, I'm going, Ashley comes out in her like lace dress also very much like the, it's this same type of version of Carrie's shirts, but like for nighttime dresses, like party, like club dresses, affordable club dresses. So she's like, I know my dad's going to have something to say about the fact that I dyed my hair, but you know, I don't even care because I have Matt with me, the perfect buffer whenever my dad starts dictating. And she's like, I actually have a present for my dad. It's a painting from Matt of the ocean. You know, he's developing this new property on the water. She's just like telling it all, baby. She doesn't even know that she's giving so much away to this woman. Right. Right. She's like she's also volunteering all like I think at that whole conversation, Carrie doesn't even open her mouth to be like, oh, go on. No, like, yeah, nothing. So once she's gone, Carrie writes down some of these notes in this notebook she has dedicated to all things Ashley. Like this is her new project notebook. And the society pages story is taped in the very front. But then, um, you know, she writes down some vague notes on the Jersey Shore property and Ashley and Matt get to her dad's party. Like, I think they do a good job of making him seem swanky. Like even on um, later on, there's going to be a lunch scene at the house. And there's just a like a casual maid that you see. There's no interaction. You just see her body at one point in the corner of a shot. And it's a great way of sort of establishing the level of wealth they have without it being just without you being beaten over the head with it. She's also serving them just slices of individual slices of cake, which just feels like this is so we get it. He's like stupid wealthy. He has some maid serving him one piece of cake at his table, which like it feels so unnecessary. But like we get it. So but yes, they're at it's that. also so like 90s. Like, do you remember like 90s commercials would always market? Like, oh, when you have friends over after dinner, just pull this frozen cake out of the freezer and everyone's going to love it. Like, right. It's it's like very like Sarah Lee. It's like this is made for like, oh, like everyone obviously wants dessert. But like, why would you expect your wife to have made a full cake? But just get this one from the freezer so you can satiate all of your ravenous guests who clearly like won't leave until they have dessert. Yeah, they were really marketing dessert for a while. Dessert is a scam. Like, I feel like 
I was raised with eating dessert after every meal. And now I cannot, I have to fight myself not to eat dessert after dinner. Like it gets, I'm such a product of it. Like it really gets ingrained in you, but it's crazy that they sit down for lunch, but it's just one piece of cake. It's like, you really, you had to have your maid serve you one individual slice of cake, but okay, go off weird flex, but okay. So so I just want to point out is, is like, if you can't see it, it's absurdly ugly. Her dress is so ugly. Yeah, it's really it's like a nude lace with like a black overlay or like a nude silk base with like a black overlay. It's very of the times. Like I keep forgetting how bad 2011 was with trends. Yeah, it feels like the dress you would wear when you're gonna. It's like the hills. It's like a very like the hills dress. Totally the hills. Totally the hills. Okay, they get to the party that night and like an assistant type person, a servant type person greets them to take their coats. And Matt's like, I'm ready to start boozing. And then we meet the man himself, Richard. I wasn't going to play this, but I feel like we got to sort of establish this dynamic, get it out the gate. Richard is ultimately pretty charming, but this is his introduction. 1051 to 1215. Sweetheart. Hi, Dad. You changed your hair. I, I needed a change. Well, that it is. <laughs> well, that's the good thing about hair, except for mine, which seems to be getting thinner every year. <laughs> you haven't aged in a decade. Paula. Hi, sweetie. You know, when your father said you turned into a beautiful young woman, he wasn't lying. Oh. Oh, thanks. Oh, um, this is my boyfriend, Matt. This is Paula Wickless, my dad's ex. Um. <laughs> it's nice to meet you, Matt. It's nice to meet you. So, did you just come for the party? Actually, Paul's moved back into town. Well, almost. I still have to sell my place in Atlanta. But yes, I quit my job and I got a new one with the company here. So, here I am. She needs a better real estate agent, but I told her about Travis. Have a glass of wine. Oh, thank you. No, 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 no. Not not the white, the the red. You're going to like that much better. (laughs) You know, can I get a beer? Easy there, champ. The night's still young. (laughs) Yes, it is. Oh, look, isn't that Lee Mackey? I haven't seen him in years. Yeah, it is. I'm going to say hi. Try the appetizers, but stay away from the salmon. Can't have you sick. Of course I won't eat the salmon. What am I, an idiot? Come on. Let's go try the salmon. (laughs) Okay. So did you not feel like at this point of the movie, based on what we know, when he says, don't eat the salmon, And she's like, of course, I won't eat the salmon. Did you not get like a don't order the clams type situation where for some reason he serves poor seafood that gives everyone food sickness? Yeah, I got the impression that he was like, "Okay, well, I just hired this catering company. Like I didn't approve like the menu or something. They brought some bunk salmon like we've already tried it. We don't recommend it type of thing instead of like some ominous forewarning i was just like oh someone must have been like the salmon's gross yeah this is where i have to say that like i appreciate the writer because like i could tell that they were they were ready for this production to be a mess (laughs) and were putting in all the little things they could in case like the production budget didn't meet like the needs of the script he was making sure that all of those like things were pinned under somewhere um, but 
okay, like a few weird things in this scene. One, uh, Ashley's hair is fine. Like it's just some basic blonde highlights. This is nothing that should throw an adult man. And honestly, a little odd that he noticed. I don't know what her hair looked like beforehand, but this is like a totally it's not a remarkable hairstyle she has. It's incredibly natural looking like if. Yeah, obviously, I have no idea what she looked like prior to like when we meet her, but I I have no way to believe that her hair is so vastly different because it looks exactly like a lot of people's hair when they're born. So I like whatever she unless she like like low graded from a platinum blonde dye job to this really subtle highlight. I have no idea why her dad would nitpick about it. Yeah. And her dad looks like he does a blonde rinse. Richard gives me blonde rinse like vibes, like maybe his hair is going a little gray. So he keeps it toned with little honey blonde. I feel like this is why it's important to like have at least a photo of her mom, because I like have no idea where she's pulling her hair from. Like, like, yeah, maybe her dad was like a natural blonde and isn't anymore. Maybe he has super light hair. And so he's keeping it blonde. But like, unless her mom was like, a raven haired vixen. Like, I have no idea how this could be such a huge departure from like a normal hairstyle. You're right. Like a Cher Horowitz's mom type portrait when you come into the house would have made a world of difference, like in every sense, just even in terms of like Richard's horniness, like you'd be like, well, his wife died a long time ago. Now, Paula has definitely moved in like not physically like into the house, but she is emotionally acting as his girlfriend throughout this entire night. And did you not get a little bit of a dig when she said your father said you grew up to be a beautiful young woman? Did you not feel like that was her calling her ugly a little bit as a teenager? Yeah, it was like a little bit rude, but Honestly, it's like maybe that's the writer putting an Easter egg in to be like, this is why everyone's so displeased with her hair. Like, maybe this all makes more sense than we realize. And it's like or like because Ashley didn't pick up on it. Like, Ashley was like, thanks. Like, it's like, does she just sort of like move through the world thinking the best of everyone? Like, why would my dad's ex-girlfriend be calling me ugly at this birthday party? Well, clearly she does. She let a psychopathic coworker move into her house with absolutely no hesitation. Like that her baseline is thinking that no one is bad. But yeah, I mean, she it just keeps underscoring how like insanely naive she is and like how earnest she is. But it's it's all just it's all so weird that her dad and her like step, I mean, ex stepmom or whatever, basically just like clearly think her appearance is really bad, but like won't tell her except for super passively over and over again. Yeah. And then another thing where like they were trying to establish that Richard loves to boss people around and draw hard lines about what's appropriate. When Matt was like, oh, I kind of am craving a beer. And he's like, come on, the night is young. Like, what? what I feel like a Beer is like a a bigger softball than a glass of red wine could ever be. Right. My boyfriend was like, I watched the the first time with him and he was like screaming, like, like beer has less alcohol content than wine. Yeah. It's so weird for him because I was like, oh, maybe he's trying to be like the good dad. And he like understands that one of them drove. And so he's trying to like keep everyone paced. But like. Someone having a couple of beers is way easier to monitor, at least in my experience, than having 
like a refillable glass of wine. So it's like, I get that we're supposed to understand that he's like super controlling, but like it felt so pointedly to Matt that I was like, I was like, wait, is this some weird, like, like reverse version of like you're asking for it type vibes? Like, maybe, what is yeah, this? Maybe it's a little bit of a like Matt can't do anything right. Like, no matter what Matt had picked, it would have been wrong. The same way that Ashley went for the wrong glass of wine on the try. Right. He's like impossible to please. Yeah. So back at the apartment, Carrie is digging through all of Ashley's shit, which is like, this is my nightmare is that I would leave someone to like be in my place for a while because I would truly just watch TV like at this point in my life, like when I was babysitting. Oh, my God, it was such a snoop. But like (laughs) at this point in my life, I would never look through someone's shit and I would never assume anyone would look through mine. And she's up in her bedside table and she finds this beautiful Cartier diamond bracelet. And then we cut to Ashley's dad giving a speech at his party where he's like, you know, oh, it's, uh, you know, my my 40th birthday. And then he's like, JK, it's 50, but I'm really happy you're all here feeling older and wiser. And then like Paula chimes in. She's like, well, so he thinks. And it's like, Paula, w- like, what is your presence here? Like, you've been out of the picture for years. Like, is this not weird for anyone else? If, if anything, I felt like Richard has no friends if this is not weird. Yeah, it kind of gave this energy of like, like, you know, when like you go to a party or I mean, I I mean, I don't even remember the last time this happened to me because unfortunately I have a lot of friends, but uh, I feel like sometimes I would go to like parties for people and the majority of people that were there were sort of like obligatory, like, like contacts. Like I feel like Richard's party is not filled with like his like longest and closest friends. It's filled with like business associates and like secretaries and like people he's like worked with and maybe like his doctor. Like it's like people who are like, Oh, this guy's like ultimately pretty nice. And like, you know, we'd known him for a while, but like they, they don't share like any like intimate real bonds. So it's like when Paula comes in to be like, Okay, so I'm going to treat this as the unofficial roast of Richard Dunn. It's like everyone thinks it's really funny because they're like, ah, I barely know this man. Like, I guess he loves this. Yeah, like, I guess that's their relationship. Totally, totally. Um, And like, you know, he is like this is on the society pages. So there's going to be a lot of people there that don't know him. This is just sort of like an open if you're rich and I know you come sort of thing. Right. Right. It's not like an actual party where these are his friends and like, well, it seems like also he threw it for himself, which oh, is the ultimate, sure. like measure of how few friends you have. So then we go back to Carrie, who's like staring longingly at this photo of Ashley and her dad. And I thought that this was when Ashley was going to return because she's staring at this photo for so long. She might be the worst spy on earth like sure her like inability to do things with any urgency like i mean later on she like stands in a doorway in the middle of the night to sneak into a room and she stands in the doorway like looking around for people for so long that it's like i'm amazed no one just walked up you've been go inside like like she really holds these moments of like doing the bad thing like for so long that she should be caught No, Anna would have already like collected Ashley's soul like she would have like already backlogged all of her nightmares, her dreams, her most embarrassing childhood moment like Anna would have been on this and Carrie's just sort of like, wow, okay. so 
Ashley's dad uh, goes looking to her and he finds her like waiting in the living room for Matt to bring over some cake. And he's like, there's someone I want you to meet. It's the son of a client who just graduated from Harvard. And Ashley's like, dad, I'm with Matt. Like, what don't you understand? I love him. And her dad's like, you know what, Ashley, I feel like you choose things to make like a point. And that's not really a good reason to make your decisions. And Ashley's like, you know what? This is why I can't live with you. So before like this, you know, we have to cut back to Carrie, who's now discovered Ashley's EpiPen. Okay. She's discovered the EpiPen in the same medicine cabinet that has a big bottle of kelp capsules in it. And I have to know why the set designer or production designer was like, okay, this character that we give almost no dimension to will flesh out by implying that she regularly eats a kelp capsule. Right. And I would even worry about that with her seafood allergy. Like what if there's leftover (laughs) fish juices on the kelp? What if a fish swam by said kelp that they harvested up and capsuled and then she just gets sick, but it's like, it's such a weird and like standout thing to like put on like in the set in the scene that it's like, why did you do it? Like what it's right next to the EpiPen. This could have just been like Metamucil uh, face cream, like normal shit, but it's like a huge bottle of kelp capsules is so distracting that it really feels like they were like, Oh, go wild to like the set decorator. Like we're no oversight. We don't care. And there was like prescription medication in there, which was what I was dying to know about. I was like, what does this girl take every day? Because oh, my it, God. Can you imagine if she's just super Xanaxed out and that's how she's so chill all the oh, time? Oh, probably. Yeah. No, I was thinking, like, why isn't she using that? Like, I feel like that's a better. Well, you know what? That's what I do in these movies. Is I spend a long, <laughs> a long time trying to figure out better ways to like do crimes. So like, I don't really need to, I don't need to do that today. Um, but Carrie's, um, she's found this information out. And then we go back to um, Ashley being like, Matt, I got to go. So Ashley gets home a little bit later and Carrie's hiding her diary. I, always in these movies, someone is like writing in their secret thing or like looking at the paper they're not supposed to look at until the door opens and she like shoves it away. And that always gives me so much anxiety. Because it's oh my like, gosh, yeah, it's faux anxiety. Like it doesn't need to. It doesn't. Obviously, she's not going to find out that she has a diary about her. But it's like I almost feel. I feel sorry for myself for falling for that basic anxiety trap. It's just like you're scared. It's. I mean, because it's like remember Harriet the Spy. It's like obviously there's so much risk and like putting a ton of personal information about how you feel about someone or something down on paper because anybody can find it. Like, I feel like her having essentially like a hater scrapbook about Ashley is like so risky. It's like stupid risky because it's like, it's like you can't keep that on your person. Like you don't know how vulnerable that is. Yeah, you're right. That's like the one thing that you don't have, I would say, is like a did like a analog scrapbook of just shitty things about a person or like vulnerable things. Imagine finding a list that someone wrote about all your vulnerabilities. 
Yeah, that they were like that they were keeping track of because they're like waiting to exploit them like that. If I lived with someone and I found a list that was like like Erica's like weakest points or something like I would I would scream. I would jump out of a window like that's yeah, so scary. Like, doesn't bring coffee mug back to sink right after breakfast. And they're writing that down so that because that means that I won't come back down at first. But like I read that and I'm like, oh, they think I'm depressed. Yeah, I feel like I would like read a list like that. That was like, like, OK, like can't do more than a couple like push ups or like <laughs> or like str- like struggled when picking up like office chair, like ways oh in God. which they could like use it against so- me. To like make my life worse. Like I would read it as like this person's keeping track of all these things about me because they're like slowly planning a way to just defeat me. They're like finding all of my (laughs) like I can pick up up office share is such a fucking read girl. Like that is literally that is the deepest read I've ever heard. That's like, yeah, you don't ever want to tell someone you notice that about them. Yeah, but it feels like that's like the type of list that Carrie's actually keeping about Ashley. It's like like needs EpiPen, like like list of prescription side effects. Like she's keeping this like like journal, not because she's like, okay, like here's some like things to note. She's like, oh, like I'm gonna devise this perfect plan to like just take this girl out, which is like what I exploit her every weakness. Yeah, yeah. Mm, Embarrassing. So Ashley's like, you know. The party was horrible. My dad tried to set me up with some guy. He doesn't like Matt because he's a starving artist. You know, my dad just thinks he's going to be a bartender his whole life. But what he doesn't understand about Matt is that Matt takes care of his disabled brother. Oh, my God. Ethan has got to be the most. It's like if you put in like a lifetime, like like plot generator or character generator, it'd be like, be like, oh, like cop on the force gets into an accident in wheelchair, like still trying to get back in it. I that's one thing I really love about this movie is that they aren't afraid to just bring in and cast a whole ass useless character. Like not saying that Ethan was useless. He was actually really fun here. But there's a lot of like ways that this movie could have been written without Ethan. Oh, my God. And it wouldn't have been a different movie. No, not at all. Like it just would have been more Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle could have just been Ethan because Kyle was weirdly skeptical of everything pretty early on. He they could have literally saved the money it cost to cast Ethan by just giving all of his lines to Kyle. Yeah. Like if Kyle's like a townie and he reads the paper because his dad's a cop and then Kyle can just come in and like relay what he heard from his dad at the beginning of each shift. Right. Just make him like just make him a true crime buff or something like he's just interested they didn't need to get like a set for Matt's apartment. Like there was like a lot of this was a different time, though. This movie was probably I mean, this I think this movie was shot on film. No, <laughs> it's like it doesn't seem that like nice. It just seems cheap. Yeah, but I, I think like most of it was cheap. But I think that this was shot on film, if I'm being honest. It doesn't look digital. I mean, you, I like I love the idea of this is like Lifetime being like, OK, let's throw it back to like the golden age of cinema. Like, let's really no. make this something for real. They filmed all of their movies on film, like up until like, I think, like 2008 or something. 
Well, but this movie's from 2011, right? Yeah, but that they I think they still would do like I don't think they really fully went digital until recently. So I I don't know. I sense this movie was shot on film, but I don't know. Well, they that's didn't... even like that's even more of an incentive for them to have just let Kyle have all of Ethan's lines because running film dailies is really expensive. And I can't imagine they wanted to give that money to like casting a character that shows up like extraneously like four times and once is just to eat a burger. Let me see the te- technical specs really quickly. Um, 35 millimeter. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's. Okay, I really respect I respect them for keeping it old school like that. I don't respect them for using all of that film for most of those shots. But like, but like, okay, like I appreciate you lifetime for keeping the film industry in business. Well, that's why this I feel is like, honestly, it's the golden age of lifetime, right? Because you're getting like somewhat, you know, you're getting like they had to really try to make these movies, which is why I think they went all out with like getting multiple locations. I think digital really changed the way that Lifetime made movies. And I think there's some that they still film with film, like occasionally, like I wouldn't be surprised if Flowers in the Attic was shot on film. I mean, that kind of makes sense. I do feel like, yeah, new Lifetime movies are so slick and like super kind of like high tech feeling. So it's like, yeah, this movie does feel a little more like rustic. Almost. They feel like really good student projects, like the new ones. Like they seem like if like a USC film student made a lot of the Lifetime movies, you'd be like, yeah, they have a promising future. Right. Oh, my God. Well, if anybody, if any like kid who is like 18, 19, 20 could write this many complex, like interwoven storylines that ultimately like intersect at the end and all pay off, I would be like, oh, this is a wonderkind. Like give him a script. That's why this is like, you know, this is the kind of thing that I chase. I was so happy to watch a movie like this today. So um, Ashley's like, you know, he's taking care of his brother. And then Carrie's like, what happened to his brother again? Matt never really talks about it. And she just has this way of seeming like. I don't know, like she's bringing Ashley in a little bit, like she's asking her to kiki with her a little and like give her some insight like they're close but she also says it like so respectfully that they might as well be strangers this is where i would say like she does have rare moments of what feels like genius given the parameters yeah she's she's playing ashley really well in this moment while like by like casually hinting that like there's information she doesn't know but it's not actually a big deal if she doesn't know it and like on his own time would she know it which like I really respect I am not well I'm a little bit of a gossip but I'm always extremely nosy and like this is my preferred way of asking for information as well is being like oh like uh how did things go um at that person's house uh, I forgot to mention like it's like yeah I want to like be really polite about it because I just actually want to know a lot of information and if I just tell you to tell me you're not gonna tell me everything so like I understand why she's she's sort of like hinting around it but it's super weird to me that like if I was Ashley I would be like oh that's very interesting and strange that she's asking about his brother because she doesn't know Matt really well and so why the hell would she know his brother or of his brother and like none of that's her business yeah, I would hope that his brother being wheelchair bound would come up at the 
who had the worst week game thing. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, well you can't beat this. I was hit by a car. So good luck with your money order. Yeah. Even worse. My brother survived getting hit by a car <laughs> yeah. and now I have to take care of him while he's uh, figuring out whether or not he can work again. But basically Matt's brother was hit. Um, he was a motorcyclist and a cop and he got hit. I think on, on the motorcycle, he had an accident and they never clarify if he's like on duty or off duty when he got into this motorcycle accident, which I think makes a big difference. Yeah. I almost wish they gave him kind of like, I feel like lifetime loves, loves the like complicated, like, like protagonist, but like, I almost wish they would have just made him like a bad cop. Like just be like, he got off duty. He went to a bar. He drank a little too much. He got on his motorcycle to go home. He was swerving through traffic. Like somebody hit him. He's like in a wheelchair, but he's like, you know, trying to really grapple with his demons and like figure out what place he has on the force. Like, like give him like full color, like make him like complicated instead of just this kind of like annoying brother that keeps like trying to salt on everyone's life. And then like, doesn't really do much. I agree with you. It does feel a little bit like they just drop fruit like food in front of Ethan and then he comes back with information because like that's right that's like all of the scenes right but I you know he has to have his relationships available to him with like Captain Yandy I think his name was or whatever like the the Jersey City police officer who like knew about the the shooting like he has to be able to work within his department still Right. Because he he can call people up and just be like, hey, it's like officer. I don't remember their last name. I'm, I, I know it's not officer Ethan. In my mind's eye, that's what he said. But like, yeah, he can just be like, hey, it's officer Ethan. Like, give what information do you have on this? Like he has he's he's clearly still a part of like the force enough to like be able to call in favors of information. But it is very random that he basically is in like a work from home lifestyle at the moment. Yeah. And they also definitely like didn't want to make him a bummer. So they didn't right. give him, like any other sort of emotional material. Like he's obviously not out dating right now, but they weren't going to give him like a depressed energy or otherwise he'd be like, yikes, this seems like a bad situation. Ethan is upbeat. He is useful. He is giving some representation. I think Ethan is doing his best, you know? So um, Carrie gets to work the next day and she looks through Ashley's employee file and she sees that she's allergic to fish and shellfish. And she's like, oh, okay. So she calls Anna and is like, you know, I need it. Anna's like, I got it. We don't know what she's talking about yet. But then we see Carrie go to a Japanese restaurant and she orders a side of fish, fish sauce with her meal. So she's really going for it with the fish sauce. I I'm glad that they included that scene because the scene where she just sort of like drops a line to Anna and is like, is like, okay, you got my goods. Like, yeah, I got your goods type of vibe. I thought she was calling in an order uh, from Anna to like get fish. And I was like, you can't stop by the market on your own. Like you need to call your like hitman best friend to like get you fresh fish. Like, so I'm glad that they like clarify that she's capable of getting her own fish related things because the, like the juxtaposition of those scenes really makes it look like she's trying to get some like black market fish. Well, it's like Carrie is like the bougie side of the problem fixing. And then, you know, Anna's like, I'm in the fucking alley getting yeah. a bunk EpiPen. So they do the exchange. Anna gives her this like basically a fake EpiPen that has water in it. 
And Anna's like, listen, be careful with this little stunt you're about to do. Like this could actually cause someone a life. And not that I didn't want Ashley to die, but I did want Carrie to be that bad of a criminal. Yeah. I mean, Ashley, like, is the kind of character where like after a while you sort of are like, wow, it's amazing that you haven't died yet because your like inability to like look at anything with any discernment is really troubling, but it doesn't feel fair for Ashley to die at the hands of Carrie. Who's so bad at what she does that. It's like, it's like something else more value, more valid needs to take Ashley out. Definitely. Although I will say, I don't think Richard is like, such a good dad like I feel like he would still be horny if she did die and so maybe there's like a meet at the funeral alternative like oh my god he would absolutely fuck someone that he met at his daughter's wake like he has that energy that's like definitely that would be Carrie's smart for this because either way she's probably banging Richard yeah she knows that like at the end of this she's either going to have killed her roommate (laughs) Or she will have gotten closer to the guy she wants to like screw into money. So it's like she it's a win win for her. Like she can't lose. Yeah. Genius. So, um, yeah, Carrie's ironing at the apartment when Ashley comes back to the apartment and she Ashley's just on her like, you know, 22 year old shit. She's like holding this takeout box and she's talking about how she rewrote her paper. She's got to work late shit tonight because she needs the money and she gets up to wash her hands before she eats. And uh, that's when Carrie strikes and she pours all the fish sauce on top of her entree. And as she comes back, she's like, Carrie, do you want, you want some of my food? So Carrie's like, sure. Okay. So she comes over and like, by the way, that's exactly how she talks. Like if she were, you were like, Carrie, would you like some food? She'd be like, sure. Okay. Like she's very uh, formal. Like she's from another time. It's really robotic. And it's like, it's like robotic baby voice almost, which is like even weirder because it's like, where did you, where did you pick up on this being the right way to speak? Yeah. Plus, like, no 35 year old is that innocent. Oh, my God. Absolutely not. No, she came out of a divorce. Like, she's she's done shit. She's seen shit like like her life has been complicated. So it's like you it's weird to not have picked up on like social like cues and like social ease by this point that she like someone says, do you want some of my food? And she goes, yes, thank you. I would love some. My pleasure. Okay. It's like, this is so awkward. Maybe she had to eat it too. Like definitely, I think for the, you know, moment of the reveal of like the food's not just bad. Ashley is very allergic to fish. So maybe that was it. But I if I would like it if Carrie was like, no, I got some yogurts in the fridge. You go ahead. Yeah. yeah in fact, if she like didn't even try to like play along, like, oh, I'll eat this harmless thing, too. Like her just completely like doing the like reverse psychology of like, no, I couldn't possibly eat that. And then Ashley's like, OK, more for me or whatever. Like it seems so easy for her to like just do the opposite. But what I also want to note is that it's like lifetime movies ask you to suspend a lot of disbelief that I'm actually happy to do within the world of the movie. What I won't suspend disbelief on is that fish sauce has an extremely specific odor and an extremely specific taste. Like, you know, when you're using fish sauce, it smells like fresh fish. Like you'd be better just like putting a fish oil vitamin 
Right. Like you, you would want to just have like, yeah, like a salmon capsule or something. Like it's crazy to dump an entire takeout container, which is a lot of liquid onto an entire meal of, I don't know what she was really eating. I've watched it two times and I could not discern it being like Mexican food, but it, it looks like, I don't know the way Carrie mixes it up lends me to think it's like a chicken salad, but I think it's just like hard ass chicken and like a big ass side of rice. Right. And, it's like just groups of food. Yeah. And Carrie, like, dude, the amount of fish sauce she puts on this. She really was. I think she was going for lethal. Like she, she will, like, doused it in fish sauce. She'll do something smart and then she'll do something so stupid where I'm like, God, you know, Carrie, you really keep me on my toes. So um, Ashley, you know, two bites in is like the food tastes weird. Then she tenses up. She's clearly starting to have an allergic reaction. So she runs to the bathroom to administer the EpiPen, but it doesn't work. So Carrie has to call 911. And, um, you know, she's like, I think my roommate's going to anaphylactic shock. So Ashley's dad gets to the hospital to see her. And Carrie, uh, who is standing at the foot of Ashley's bed, calls him over. Carrie doesn't even bother to play this off. Like she calls across to him like, hey, you over here. I'm going to play this scene because this is when. We're going to get some great seeds. And I will say this just because I like to always mention hair and makeup when it's done well. Ashley does look like she's gone through some shit. I think that she looked like she had an allergic reaction, like a severe allergic reaction. Oh, yeah. I mean, they do a good job with like making her face kind of like post rash. It's it's like subtle and nuanced in a way that like they had their best makeup worker on set that day because she like understands what it looks like when you're getting over a rash. Yeah, the best part was like the waterline of her eyes were like blood red. Like she, I had never, I've never really seen that sort of reaction before. And when I saw it, I was like, that makes sense. Okay, so here's 2046 to 2337. Mr. Dunfield? Yes. I'm Carrie. How's Ashley? She's okay. They gave her epinephrine in time, so she's over here. Honey, thank God you're okay. I'm fine, Dad. I didn't know Carrie was going to call you. Of course she didn't. You're riding to the hospital in the back of an ambulance. Well, I'll leave you two alone. And by the way, I couldn't get a hold of Matt, so I just left him a message. Okay. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you. <sighs> what happened? I don't know. I've eaten at this Mexican place near campus like a hundred times. So you have a roommate? Carrie, yeah. It's just temporary. She needed a place to stay. She's a little older than you, huh? 35, I think. We work at the same restaurant together. I want to thank you for calling me, but more importantly for basically saving my daughter's life. I'm just glad I was there when it happened. You and me both. So Ashley tells me you two work together. Yeah. Yeah, I've been a server for about three months. Well, maybe you and Ashley would like to come to dinner sometime. It's the least I can do after what you did today. I'd love that. Well, you, you might have to talk Ashley into it. <sighs> I think I can do that. 
You said we'd go? He wants to thank me for calling the ambulance. What was I supposed to say? Uh, say no? Tell him to send us a gift basket or something instead. Uh, Ashley. No, seriously. He'll spend the whole evening telling me all of the mistakes I'm making in life. No, not if I'm there. He'll work in some little dig about Matt, though. That I can promise. Have you ever thought maybe you're going about this all wrong? What do you mean? Well, the situation with Matt and your dad. I mean, you eventually want him to like Matt, don't you? Of course. Well, how's that supposed to happen if you keep refusing him? Magically? No, I'm serious. By refusing, you choose Matt over your dad. That's not going to bring anyone closer. Well, neither is dinner, trust me. Not true. Your dad won't insult your boyfriend in front of me, and if he does, I'll shut him down. Okay. But lunch, dinner takes too long. All right. Lunch it is. This episode is sponsored by Factor. Okay, here's what I love about Factor meals. They make eating better easy. They're fresh, never frozen. They take two minutes in the microwave. You get to pick what meals you're going to eat. Over 35 different recipes are available to you to choose from. Their delicious recipes are chef-crafted and nutritionist-approved. They are very filling. Like, not too much, but they're perfectly filling. I had the keto meal last week. I've been doing the keto meals, basically. And there was one day in particular that I just remember going to bed and being like, I'm actually full. Like I ate hours ago and I'm actually full. Normally I need a little snack snack. You know, I get up to the chocolate after dark, but I was totally full, completely satisfied. And my meal was delicious. You can also do calorie smart meals, vegan or veggie and protein plus. There's also other stuff you can try as well. You can get as much or as little as you want and reschedule or pause at any time. Personally, I get six meals. You can go up to 18. That's what my boyfriend does. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash mothermayi50 and use code mothermayi50 to get 50% off. That's code mothermayi5050 at factormeals.com slash mothermayi50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. Now that I'm rewatching this for like the fourth time now, this car scene, it's hitting me that this age gap in the friendship is so specific that the vibes are just like, you really have to know your vibes in this, in this dynamic, like 22 and 35. Yeah, this is 
this is like a very tricky like you either have to be an extremely savvy 22 year old or you need to have an outside friend that is like somewhere in like the median age to come in and be like oh like think twice about that like it's such a specific time where people are so easy to be taken advantage of by someone that they just think is smarter because they're older. Yeah. And they both seem to be playing both sides of the you're the adult in the room. No, we're peers sort of thing. Right. Like, I feel like looking back on my early 20s, like the scariest thing thing about them is that people who were 10 years older than me were like we're peers like that's like a disturbing concept like like I should never be I, I never will be but I also should never be peers with anyone 10 years older than me when I'm like that incredibly like impressionable like like we're actually not the same and like a real adult needs to come in and say so yeah, I feel like anyone I've ever had that dynamic with, like, it's pretty obvious also because I am just I'm very like vocal about age. Like, I'm really like, well, this is where we're at in our lives. You know, I've never been one to be like, oh, like, we just don't need to talk about this. Like, it's not a big deal. Like in my best friendships with like huge generational gaps, it's like we try to use it as our best asset. Right. You have to acknowledge it or else it's just like we're just kind of pretending that we both relate to all these things in the same ways, which is just like simply impossible based on like your age and like when you were brought up and like how your mind works. So it's like with this relationship, it's like even more nefarious than if like Carrie was just like, oh, this woman's like 32 and I'm going to like play her to like get with like, I mean, in that case, her dad would be dramatically older, but like, I'm going to play her and get with her like hot ex-husband or like her hot dad or whatever. Like, at least that would be like, okay, you're on like equal footing as far as like how your brains have matured. Obviously Carrie's is like, more off a cliff than yours, but like at least like game can recognize game. But like really, this thing yeah. where she's like, where she's like, I'm sort of like the older sister figure, but I'm going to continue to pretend like actually we're like twinsies is like, is really, it's really dark. Yeah. Cause like it's not like your regular friend your age, whatever, say like, don't worry, your parent that I just barely met and who is like a prominent societal figure won't possibly shit talk your boyfriend to me like as if she's such like you know like we just wouldn't get into that like in front of another adult you know right she literally is like treating it like okay well he may say that shit to you because you're 22 but like like i'm barely four years younger than him so like he would never talk that way to me like it is this a weird like setting up a power dynamic in which she's like expressing that like she's aware that she has power that like Ashley doesn't have. And she's like willing to wield it right now in her, in her favor. But at any point in time, like that could change. Totally. So Carrie calls a winery claiming to be an employee of Richard's. And she asks them what cases of wine he won last year, which I thought that was like one I was like, that's so specific that she knows that. But maybe that was in the emails, the dossier of emails. Okay, I thought about this, too, because I was like, where what pocket of information could she have possibly pulled that like knowledge out of to reference it like on this call? 
I was thinking like how weird it would be if he like emailed his daughter to be like, hey, honey, I just won three cases of wine. Like, see you soon. Like, why would that information have ever been imparted to him to her through an email from him? Why would anyone care? Like, why would that be information? Okay. So something of this time is that people were trying to have websites, you know, like right. small wineries maybe were trying to have websites. And if they gave away a bunch of wine to like a prominent figure that like won a contest, they might put something like that on their website. Oh, that's a really good point. Actually, I could see I could see if they just did a Google search on Richard Dunn and like and like Cloville Winery, because I wrote down it's the Cloville Shiraz because yeah. I was like, what an insanely specific name. But it would make sense if like they had like a bulletin that was like, oh, like we've got we're so excited, like essentially an Instagram sponsored post. We're so excited to have partnered up with Richard Dunn. Yeah, people would have like even like it would be like Cloville Winery dot dot com. Like people were just trying to have a website in this particular right. age. So I would. Yeah, that's what I was going to. I was like there. Someone there was bored and doing content. But um, OK, so she's like, OK, I'm going to purchase this bottle of this, <laughs> the Syrahs. And then they go to um, the house and we open on him taking in this bottle of wine and he's super impressed. Like, how did she, how did she know? And she's like, Oh, I'm just surprised you know about it. Cause it's from this really small winery. It's <laughs> so like, psycho. it's such a bad, it's such a bad version of like, like, Oh, like you like this thing too. It's like, it's so over, like, it's just so over the top that like, she, she doesn't play it smoothly at all which like she continues to do with all this information she's clearly been like collecting to like use to win him over but she she does such a bad job of being like like oh my god like actually i love this wine like i feel like she goes like what like you know this winery like oh crazy like it's like this is so obviously bad I feel like she actually I'm gonna go ahead and actually say I disagree and I think she does a pretty good job of rocking the line of like oh my god we're like in similar circles and like also like this could all be somewhat organic and for like this could all just be something that happens organically like she could really beat him over the head with some of the stuff she has. But I thought this was done like this is where she is not Anna. She's not going to go and shoot someone in an alley, but right. she knows how to work a man. Right. She knows some key things about him. And maybe these are some of these things are true about her that she just like happens to be interested in art. And I'm going to play like that whole scene because it's really great. This is where I, I go almost a little like clip heavy in the movie, but this was so enjoyable to me as someone who watches these movies week after week. This was like just so this movie is great. I can't recommend it enough. It really is. Um, so he's like, I'm going to open the wine. Ashley, give her a tour. So Carrie, like she shows Carrie the office and she's like, this is where the magic happens, huh? And that feels like one. No, it's probably not like the magic probably happens at like the main office. but isn't this guy just like a financier or something? Like, is he some like big dick player? I don't really understand what he does. It's so special, except that he does it apparently very well. Yeah. He just does it to make a lot of money. 
But I don't even know if in the society thing, they actually really say like in his like little like press release, like what he does. But yeah, I feel like, oh, well, actually, wait, he owns hotels, but I, oh, I think that's right. only like, yeah, that's like a whole that's plot. Just like a facet, I think, of his like, quote unquote, businessman like persona. But yeah, I mean, they play him as if he's like this, like much like larger than life person and not because he's like, he's not like Conrad Hilton. You're like, right. He's just like a dude who owns property. He's a property developer. Like, uh, like, you know, this is like, honestly, this is a chic type of American to be, I think. Like, yeah. there's worse ways to, like, go live out the capital lifestyle than, like, capitalist lifestyle than to, like, set up cute boutique hotels. Right. I mean, at least, you know, he has, like, taste. Right. So then Ashley shows her the home theater where apparently her dad screens movies before they're even released sometimes. And then she takes her up to, and I want to know your opinion on this, in the house tour, she includes her father's room. Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes, uh, continuously underscores that Ashley is not smart or savvy. Like, like she just continuously, like, acts like, what's the harm in this, like, type of energy? Because if someone came over to my house when I was, like, in high school for the first time, and I was like, oh, let me, like, show you around before we, I don't, like, watch TRL or some shit, or eat ding-dongs, like, like, if I gave you, like, a house tour, my mom would always be like, this door is closed. Like I wasn't allowed to open it. Guests didn't see it. It's like my mom was either in there or she was out, but like sometimes the door was locked. Like my mom's room was extremely off limits to guests. So it's like super weird that the like first, like the thing that she does in this home tour is like show her her dad's room. But I think it speaks to like her naivete that like she would even be like, remotely interested in her dad's room and then obviously it sets up like carrie's like great like now i have a better lay of the land like this girl is just drop like in all the ways that carrie's so bad at this she couldn't have picked an easier mark than ashley who is holding her hand through all of it totally yeah no like you only like peer into all the bedrooms on a home tour when like you're either really getting to know someone or they it's their first home and they're really excited to show you the house. Like that's right. I feel like when you see stuff like this, so like, you know, she really takes in this bedroom and she's incredibly impressed by the bathroom that's attached. So the bathroom is nice. He has a jet tub. Like I was really nostalgic. My mom had a jet tub when I was in high school and sometimes I would be allowed to use it. And that is, it's such a nice tub. It looks lush. It looks definitely like an upgrade from sharing a mattress at Ashley's house or even whatever the situation is over at Anne's house. I feel like there's a stall shower there. Yeah, she like can recognize that she's about to like pretty woman herself into like a lap of luxury. So they have some wine in the dining room and the conversation leads to a point where Ashley's able to sneak a call to Matt. So you'll hear that at the end. Uh, 25, 24 to 27, 21. So, Carrie, what's it like to be Ashley's roommate? Must be kind of cramped in that one bedroom. Well, we seem to manage, Dad. Actually, it's been really great. You have no idea how much I appreciate her letting me move in. It's been a rough year. I lost a friend recently, and I'm still tying up loose ends after my divorce. Uh, is this an original Zhang? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, how'd you know? Uh, are you kidding? I love Zhang. He's one of my favorites. Well, I went to one of his shows about three years ago. 
His work hangs in every one of my hotels. Wow, he must have made his year. He deserves it, he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's very compelling. You know, this proves the point I was making to Matt. You know, when we were all sitting around talking about how difficult it is to be an artist. All it takes is one person to fall in love with your work, and boom, your career is on its way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you seen her boyfriend's work? Oh, yes, I have. He's amazing. So do you have any more from this collection? Well, in my study. Would you like to see it? Absolutely. All right, come on. Ash? Oh, no, that's okay. I've already seen it. Hey, babe, what's up? Still at Daddy Warbucks' house? Yeah, but it's actually going pretty well. I think I'm gonna bring Carrie to every father-daughter lunch. Yeah? She's sneaky. In a good way, though. Talking to my dad about one of his paintings, she actually worked in a little compliment about you, too. No way, that's cool. I wish you were here, though. No, you wish we were both far away from your dad, somewhere on a beach in Fiji. That's true. Maybe spring break. Oh, hey, I gotta go. I'll talk to you later, okay? Okay, so the maid just dipped in the corner there and took the bottle of wine out of the room, which I don't know. I loved it. I loved that little detail. But let's get into the zhong of it all. Let's get into just the sheer like not giving a fuck that Ashley has about not recognizing her privilege, if I'm going to be honest with you. Like she and Matt are both fumbling a huge bag here. Yeah, she's being she's being so myopic and like but she but again, it's like she's young. She doesn't have the bigger picture like like she's not thinking, oh, my God, I bet you in like 10 years, I'm going to want to like not be thinking about money. Like when I graduate, when I like when I get onto the world, like I bet you would be so nice to be set up so that I can just like focus on whatever my job's going to be. But like she's not thinking ahead. So she's not realizing that like look, like my dad is like making multiple attempts to like bridge our relationship. Like just me accepting one of those could lead to like such a chill life where we're like not servers at like, at like Philadelphia's pump. Like we could be like just having an easy life. They could actually be going on vacation. And like Matt weirdly, like I understand him like encouraging, like, okay, like, yeah, like do you, but like not encouraging her to like mend her relationship so that he can sort of like ride that wave with her is also very stupid. It's a little bit of an us versus like the world mentality that Matt has. And, you know, Matt has faced so much adversity that I cannot, I can't imagine him to be any more emotionally sophisticated. He's been through so much, but with Ethan. Yeah. I mean, Matt, Matt needs therapy, obviously. Matt uh, does need to go to therapy. <laughs> like he's clearly developed like some like hardened, like reactions to trauma in his life that like yes. maybe he needs to like investigate. But I see Matt, a lot of myself in Matt, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I mean, I see a, a lot of myself in Ashley and that she's just being really stupid right now. No, and I wish- oh, for sure. The <laughs> dumb bitch part. Yeah. Like I definitely relate to Ashley's dumb bitch. But like, wait, real quick, can I say that like this is kind of like a typical virtuous thing they do with people from wealth, like children of wealthy people in movies where they'll be like, no, 
I'm going to make it on my own without your money. Like, even though we all know that she's winding up with the money because she's not fracturing any sort of relationship that's so bad to an extent where she's going to be cut out of the will as she's going to be fine. Right. Like she's just basically like a, a much older grumbly teen, but like she still goes to her dad's house begrudgingly to have lunch. She gets her mail there. Like there's a lot of ways in which she's still like fully intertwined with her dad that like are clearly like not creating enough of a rift for him to be like, I don't know my daughter anymore. So it's like, yeah, like despite her best efforts to be in her own way like she's gonna be fine but it's it's very stupid of matt to like also be like okay whatever you want i think the us versus everyone else is so right but like every time people get in relationships like that they ultimately like just get fucked like it's like it's a stupid way to be true true no i agree i agree so then sparks are flying in the office, right? Right. Well, she's also it. kind of dumb to like have been like, oh, go without me. Like, I don't want to be bothered by listening to like my dad talk about art. Like her pushing Carrie and her dad to like be alone is super dumb on her part. But also like if I had a friend over, like I would not be like, okay, you can hang out with my mom while I just like go make a phone call. Like Oh, because they have this blurred they have this blurred sense of security right like in ashley's mind she doesn't see carrie as someone who's like potentially gonna date her father and like she's being very selfish right now where like all she cares about is that this seems to be working on a superficial right. level to get her to her goal which is that her you know her dad accepts her boyfriend um and carrie's playing this pretty expertly yeah, she's doing a good job of just sort of like going with the flow. Like, oh, you wanted to look at art? Like, okay. She's that person at a party that knows just enough about everything to be totally charming to whoever she winds up in front of, for sure. Yeah, like she she's good at like, like, I don't even know what you would call it. It's not even like talking out of both sides of your mouth, but she's good at like sort of playing to everybody. Yeah, wheeling and dealing. Yeah, she's a con woman. Yeah, totally. So um, he asked her how she knows so much about art. And she says that she went to the Louvre on her honeymoon. And it just sort of picked up around that time, which is so like, <laughs> what a weird time to get into art. Like, I hate to be mean, but like, are you kidding me? You had to go to the Louvre to get into art? Well, it's like, I understand why they like put that Easter egg in to be like, okay, clearly her ex-husband like had some money or they had money together because they went to Paris. But like, it's so funny for the one detail about like, why do you like art? Oh, because I saw it one time. And like, now I love it. Jung. Jung is not at the Louvre. Like she's, do you, what do you think the Jung of it all is? Because I think that they're, she must have like done some sort of research on his relationship with him in the hotels. Yeah. She clearly has like looked up because I bet you the hotel has a blurb of like, because there's like this hotel in Hollywood that's run by um, this bar called gold diggers. And like a, what a guy from a band did all the art that's in the rooms. And like, there's a little blurb like on the hotel site that's like, Oh, like this guy like did all the art. We were really excited. We love it. Blah, blah, blah. So like, 
I could really see this hotel website having like a, like, 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 I don't know, like about us section. That's like, Oh, like Richard, like is a huge fan of like Jung, which like, is that a real painter? I should have looked it up, but like, Um, I would assume not. I would assume that this is like a lifetime creation of like someone that sounds like it should be a painter or like, it looks like mixed media if I'm being honest, but like the thing with this is like, yeah, like if an if a hotel is going to have good art, they're doing it to flex. Otherwise, they're just going to put up generic shutterfly photos in every room. Right. So I, I imagine she surely like Googled the hotel and then it was like, yeah, like we have like a, a Zheng original or whatever in every single room. Like, so book with us. Zheng is like, uh, gotta be the worst fake artist name I've ever heard. Like, oh, I love it. I think it's perfect because I like don't question it. Yeah, I guess because it sounds so close to like young, like the the like psychology philosophy guy that it's like, oh, it's distracting. But like Jung is so artsy that no, you're totally right. Girl, but, like, no one is thinking most people watching a Lifetime movie are not thinking like, oh, that sounds so much like that famous philosopher. Like they could do better. <laughs> like most people are like, oh, like one syllable, like sounds international. Yeah, I'm down like. I mean, yeah, obviously, like I I'm bringing like I'm bringing like probably the writer's like worst nightmare brain to this movie. But that's what I'm... I do every time. Yeah, no, I've <laughs> had writers chime in and like some have been honest that like it kind of freaked them out how much I thought about their movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone, especially someone who's cashing a lifetime check is thinking like I better really like dial in on this one. Like, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a great it's a great name. But yes, obviously, she like has done some background research on like his hotels all having Jung in them and she's flexing on it casually. So like this elder divorcee in him knows the questions to ask. And he's like, how long have you been divorced? She's like, I filed in June of last year, but it was finalized five months ago. She was the one who filed. He asked that. And I was like, ooh, I guess that is like a barometer. Right. Like you would ask that to someone you're interested in because you want to gauge, are they over the relationship or are they not? And like, yeah, assumably the person who initiates the filing is the person who's like checked out of it first versus like, yeah, I could see him being like, okay, like who filed? And then her being like my ex-husband and then being like, okay, got to put that one on the back burner. Like she needs some time to heal. You want to be the filer. I feel like that's something. In all situations. Yeah, you want to file for sure. So they were married for five years, but she shouldn't have married him. He did some awful things, spent all their money. He had an affair. But like Nietzsche says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Okay, so this is where I'm wondering where the philosophy crossover comes in. Like her casually dropping Nietzsche is so, which I don't, I'm probably going to have like someone tell me I'm pronouncing that wrong. Is it Nietzsche? But I don't know. Who cares? But like, it's also a Kelly Clarkson quote. Like this is like the lamest. This is like early wine mom behavior to drop this this quote. It's like, it's like you studied like lit or like English or like, I mean, as someone who has an English degree, like it's very, it's very like freshman year, you're studying lit or English, like to like casually say like, oh, but as Nietzsche says or whatever, and like think it's like relatable material. 
This is on a mug. Like this is a right. this is a, a it's, gift it's shop a, mug. It's literally the opening lyrics to the Roseanne theme song. Yeah, there you go. And that's the truth. That's the truth. So she's like, you know, there's an amazing life out me out there for me. I'll meet an amazing man. So, um, you know, this is definitely for me. I'm like, OK, he's just waiting for it to happen. He's open to it. We just have to have the absolute perfect scenario pop up. So Ashley brings them to the table. And um, after a little bit, Carrie excuses herself and she uses that moment to go into his office and take photos of his schedule on his on his computer. And meanwhile, Richard is telling Ashley, you know, that he's glad that they're together right now. You know, he feels better about her having an apartment downtown now that he knows he, she's with Carrie and Ashley's like, yeah, you know, it was sort of weird, like living with the 35 year old woman at first. But now I feel like we're sisters. Um, so we're establishing that. What did you think about her in the office taking the photos? Oh, my God. Not to get into like the pantomime of it all, because nobody can see this on the podcast. But the way first off, Richard must have horrible eyesight. The font is huge. It's it's as big as when old people text. It's the screen is normal size. The font is like got a, a 45 point. It's That's what so, I like. I like like a 45 <laughs> point. I feel comfortable there. It's so it's so big, incredibly legible, but the way she looks through his schedule by putting her finger directly on the screen and then trailing it down to whatever thing she needs to read out loud. But I also want to underscore that he has five things on his whole schedule. I don't know if that's supposed to be the month or the week, but he literally has the emptiest schedule I've ever seen for a businessman. He has something to do from like eight to nine and then nothing again till like five to six. You would think it's like his social calendar, but like there's actual work stuff on it too. But it does seem like maybe like ideally a social calendar. Right. It's incredibly, it's incredibly empty unless he's just like bad about writing stuff down, but her, like the, it, the perfect storm of the font being so big, the actual log data being so few and her still needing to follow all of it down with her finger on the screen is like, it's like a masterclass and like someone giving you the note. Okay. You're reading. Yeah, no, she reads it like a a kindergartner learns how to read a calendar. Right. Like she it really it really feels like which I've never questioned, but I I think it's fair to ask, can she read? I guess that's fair. Honestly, no, you're so true because she does just take photos of it. Like she can't keep in her brain the information that one day this week he has a meeting at 5 p.m. It's not like he's got back to back engagements like this is what I'm saying. Like, even if they had, even if they had her like, okay, she's like keeping this information for safekeeping by like taking photos of it, like with her, like very old camera, like they could have fleshed his calendar out, like at least make it look like it's hard for her to like put the information in her brain. Yeah, no, for sure. And then, okay. So then they, she goes back to the table. There's the piece of chocolate cake we've discussed. Right. With like, the maid. She goes, chocolate is my weakness. Right. So then we see <laughs> all getting walked out of the house. And this is 
You know, it's like kind of a big scene for Ashley later on to like spontaneously remember. So like definitely I'm going to go ahead and and give a pre-warning on Ashley's detective work when it's a lot of realizing things that I'm like, you have a young, shiny 21 year old brain. And like you're like, oh, my God, they did meet. Right. Because it's kind of a moment. So, you know, they're saying like, thanks for lunch. And they're sort of glancing over at each other very shyly. There's definitely interest there. And right as they're about to leave, Paula pulls up to the house and Paula is confident, right? She owns this domain. She's been here before. She and Richard have been intimate. Ashley runs to give her a hug. And uh, they're there to go pick out countertops together like a fucking married couple. And Carrie just looks a little like she's hanging back. Like she looks like she's having a little bit of a hard time with it. And any opportunity she gets to make eye contact with Richard is kind of over the top. Like she's trying her best to like walk back the way she's behaved for the last few hours, but also keep the interest there. Right. She's playing super hard to get but in this way that's like really obvious. So it's like not actually like stealthy. Right. And like, you also like kind of want to give Paula props for picking up on how weird Carrie is around her, but like also Paula's not blind. No, Paula's like, Paula's savvy. Like Paula's done this before. She was already with him. Like clearly she, she has some ownership of like some like part of his heart and probably part of the house. Like she's put her touch on his life. She was gone for a minute. Now she's back and she's interested in like reclaiming her place at the throne. So she's like, she's like not, she's like not new. No. And when they get in the car, Carrie's like, so is that your dad's girlfriend? Like, I could just feel the tension. And Ashley doesn't think anything, anything of it. She's like, no, that's like his ex. But she just moved back to town. And I like her. I don't know where it's going to go. Because in Ashley's mind, they're back in girlfriend zone. They're back in peer zone. So Carrie purchases a single ticket to Evita. We see her dressed up at the theater that night and people are lingering and grabbing cocktails before the show. And she spots Richard and Paula talking. Paula excuses herself to go to the ladies room and Richard offers to get her a glass of red. So he goes up to the bar and this is when Carrie swoops in and uh, she pretends not to notice him. This is a great scene. And then right shortly after that, we're going to hear a quick scene um, at Matt's apartment with Ashley and Ethan. 3202 to 3415. Hi, can I take a white wine, please? Carrie? Oh my gosh, hi. Hi, uh, I didn't think I'd see you here. Are you here with friends? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I bring a girlfriend of mine here every year for a birthday. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, $9, please. Uh, here, let me get that for oh, you. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Right. Something smells good in here. Hmm. Don't worry, I'm making enough for everyone. Thanks. How you feeling? I'm okay now. It was scary when it was happening. You know, if that was a bad syringe, you should sue them. Yeah, and that's what my dad said too, but Carrie brought it to the hospital and it somehow got misplaced, so there's no proof. Anyway, I don't even want to deal with a lawsuit. I'm just happy to be alive. You should have seen how stressed he was when he got Carrie's message. Aw. Ash, you know I would have made it if my phone didn't die. I wasn't gonna make it, huh? Maybe. Mm. Well, get a room. 
that reminds me, I'm, I just saw that there's a wine tasting event next week at the wine house, and that's where I bought the wine that I brought to your house. That's funny, I've actually got tickets for it already. You do? Yeah, I go every year. Oh. Oh, that's cool. So you're going? Oh, no. Those kinds of luxuries got cut out of my budget after I got my divorce. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, there's always next year. Uh, well, I better go find my seats. You know, Carrie, I have an extra ticket if you'd like to come with me. Yeah, I'd love that. Okay, well, I'll have to meet you there. I've got a late meeting. Oh, that's no problem. Terrific. I'll see you then. Great, I'll look forward to it. Okay. <laughs> Carrie, right? I'm sorry, I forgot your name. It's Paula. Oh, it's funny how we keep bumping into each other. Yeah, small world, I guess. Paula has her number, a little premature, but Paula has her number. Paula's just being smart. I mean, I feel like she's not even being like, like paranoid, jealous girlfriend. She's recognizing like, okay, there's like blood in the water. This girl is interested. I'm, I'm going to let her know that I know. And Carrie does kind of a good job of seeming naive to it. But Paula's honestly just too smart for that. Yeah, she is. Paula's uh, very smart. So Meanwhile, like, do you think it's kind of like abusive to make out with your boyfriend when his wheelchair bound brother is like stuck behind <laughs> the kitchen island? I don't think I don't think it's abusive. I think it's weird to reward your boyfriend that didn't come see you in the hospital because he couldn't charge his phone with a kiss. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. That's definitely true. I mean, it just the the shot that they went out on with Ethan was such a like, I am so sick of these two getting it on in front of me like I don't even exist. Like I was like, do they fuck in front of Ethan? Like what's going on, man? I do appreciate that they let him the like the button on that scene. They let him get that, like get a room in. It felt very like, okay, they're giving Ethan some flair. He's going to, he's getting sassy. Like that's Ethan like, at least few. he's having fun. No, Ethan has a few like comedy buttons. Like I want to look him up and see who he is because he gets the last. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, never a great sign when someone doesn't have a photo on IMDb. I always worry <laughs> about their team, but <laughs> Uh, Christy Watson is his name. His name is Christy. Yep. Christy. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E Watson. He was in Fringe, Mind Over Murder, Alcatraz. Uh, Was he? He was in Alcatraz. Hmm. Not the TV series. Yeah. I mean, he's. He works, but where's he been? I mean, maybe he's just taking a break. I yeah. also respect people who who are actors who like you take all the classes and stuff and then they get into some TV and then they actually are like, well, got to flex that muscle. Anyway, I have this twelve thousand dollars in residuals I've been sitting on from like CSI Miami. So like I'm just going to chill. I'm going to start like woodworking. No, I fucking love that, too. I have to say that's like a, a quality I really respect. Um, in all of these movies, because you come across that a lot. And sometimes it's like, oh, it seems like things went wrong. And sometimes it's like, you know what? Maybe they just realized the industry wasn't for them and they moved on. Yeah, I think a lot of actors like fight their like their like discomfort with like 
being in the world of acting because they're like waiting for like something bigger. And it's like really nice when people just recognize it for what it is. And they say, well, now I have enough money to afford this like very nice apartment in the Silver Lake Hills. And maybe if the right project came along, I would dust my chops off. But otherwise I'm just here to hang out with my, I don't know, like niece and take her to like swim camp and stuff and like enjoy my life. It also seems like a job that everyone should want. So like once you have your foot in the door, like you're like, why wouldn't I want to do this? But it's actually like it's a lot of work to be like a mid-range actor, like even someone who's had like this is not this does not a secure career make like the appearances on his IMDb. It seems like he's gotten like, you know. One big one every couple of years, and that's. You know, he's pounding the pavement, dude, it's a lot. I mean, how exhausting would it also be to like be in the world of like TV acting, which feels like so competitive and like probably very cutthroat and like, yeah. but like for roles that like ultimately, I mean, no shame to anybody who like goes out for these, but like ultimately strikes me as like what you wouldn't want to be do. Why you didn't like, why you went to school or took classes to be an actor doesn't seem like it all leads up to like, like girl at bar number three on like laundered SVU. Like, but like you're competing with like a room full of people who are like, I want to be girl at bar number three. Yeah. I like to think people have good senses of humor about it in general. Like I always try to give, maybe this is me being an Ashley. I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt with that, where I'm like, certainly like 90% of people know that they're almost never going to get a yes, you know? Right. I think I, if I was like trying to be an actor after like doing like 10 of those and like being like rejected for like girl at bar number one, I'd be like, actually, why am I working this job that's flexible hours so I can come to these auditions? Like maybe it's best if I just take my skills elsewhere. That's truly like why I had a commercial agent for a while. And that's truly why I didn't like continue doing it. I just was like, I can't like spend an hour and a half of my day like going into Hollywood to read a line for not even read a line, like pantomime a scene in the background of a Target commercial. Right. Like how rough I I, I mean, like I have a lot of respect for people who do that. I never even studied acting. I had no business doing that. So um I like the idea also that they have mismatched glasses in the apartment. That's a huge thing with me in these movies is sort of like set design is Mm -hmm. like props. Like I'm like, what are the glasses they have in the house? And this is exactly what these guys would have is like two matching highball glasses and like some 3D mid-century blown glass like juice tumbler. So um Carrie and Anna, Anna meet up for drinks and Carrie's telling Anna that, you know, this Paula chick could fuck everything up for them. And she's trying to convince Anna to basically take her out. And this is where Anna's like, you know what? Actually, I'm tired of pulling the weight. And Carrie's like, what weight? And I feel this argument, right? Because Anna's like, you know, the last girl I had to like shoot the I had to shoot the prostitute that Marty was sleeping with. And, you know, in our girl Carrie's like, but yeah, I was the one who like got you into the room and I got you the gun. Like basically Annie's tired of being the muscle and she wants Carrie to do all of this. And 
it's not her fault that Marty turned out to be a broke loser. You know, she, they tried their best with that con. And she's saying, like, you know, please just kill Paula. And Anna's like, no, I'm not doing that. So yeah. Carrie can, throws her drink down on the ground and stomps out of the bar. You can tell that Anna's like at the end of her rope on this. Like, I've already done so much for you. And you keep reaping some level of benefit because like, even with the way their lives have panned out, like absolutely no shade to anybody who does either of these professions. I would think being a server is a little bit nicer than being a cab driver. Like she even like just gets the consequences are better. Like it's a personality thing for sure. Like, you know, at the same time, Carrie bought the house that Anna lives in. Right. And Anna has like the credit of an ex con like they are in some ways like a necessary pairing like they need the other one to exist to get away with like the activity that they want to right like they're super dependent on each other but like i can see where anna's like starting to realize the like deep inequalities of like how things are like playing out for them I also want to acknowledge that when Carrie like throws her glass, which also is like, it's just so unnecessary. But like when she throws her glass, I think they ADR'd this in someone very quietly going like, whoa. Yeah, no, for sure. That for sure happened. And I like way to like, just like get accidental alibis. Like you don't want people to know where you are. You're talking about literally murdering a woman. Right. And you're making a scene. So you're, you're placing yourself so obviously like there's probably 10 people who can all be like, Oh yeah, I remember that girl. She threw a drink. Yeah. She left before like the first act of a veto was over. Like they could time that whole thing if they wanted to, but like, yeah, I think in a way too. Anna's setting like a boundary with her because Anna's capable of all of this. Like when the opportunity comes up later to like take it, Anna's willing to do it. It's not that she's just trying to like, in my mind, let Carrie know, like, no, you can't lean on me for this. Like you have to sort of play the inside game appropriately. Yeah, I love that Anna's actual goal isn't like, hey, I need to like be someone who like makes good on my life and I need to get out of this. Her goal is like, no, I don't want to be the only one who does the killing. Like, yeah, it's or sh- like I'll murder, like for sure I'll murder, but like that's a backup plan. Like I need you to come to me with like a plan B and then maybe plan C or D is me shooting her. But like go out there and like come up with something on your own. So the next day at work, Carrie's waiting tables when a guy at the bar recognizes her. He's like, Hey, it's Bill Gaffler. Remember me? Which is like my nightmare. Like I (laughs) hate seeing someone in public that like, I'm not expecting, like I'm just not built for that as a human, not because anything is expected of me, but because I don't know how to act myself. Like I, I'm like, yeah, hi. Like I, I act like I'm hiding a secret from someone when I run into them in public. <laughs> My worst nightmare with that is when someone comes up to me or goes to like high at me and I do not recognize them. Oh yeah. Like, that is like cold sweat. Like 
I I just thinking like, how do I get out of this the fastest? Like when someone's like, oh yeah, it's me, Bill Gathler. And like my brain can't access a folder named Bill to save my life. Like I, as far as I know, I've never met you. I don't know you, but like, I'm sure I have. That happened to me at the reservoir. This girl was walking by and I was with my friend and we were chatting. And then she was like, hey, and my friend recognized her. I was like, oh, what's up? And I did not know who this was but she seemed to have this like relationship with me and my friend and I just sort of like had to hang back in the conversation and the second it was done I was like I feel like I blacked out like who was that what is what happened yeah when a friend is there it's a little bit like I feel comfortable but like when it's just me and that person that's when I really will you know I'll just own it LA is a big city sometimes I'll just be like I am so sorry for some reason, I'm comp- like, I know who you are, but I am completely blanking on where I know you from. I mean, that's respectable. Being honest with people and like might even if it hurts their feelings, like at least they don't put up the charade. I'm the first person to be like, oh, my God, what's up with you? And like, oh, uh, you're living there, right? In a place with your pet. Like I just am like, bringing up things that aren't real details. I'm trying well, to make like- it really seem like I know them. Sometimes I feel like when I when someone tells me who they are and I remember like feeling very positively about them, like I can act in kind where I'm like, I can be as excited as I probably would be to realize I'm talking to that person if I had recognized them. Whereas like certain people, I just don't like being cool to people like that. You know, I don't like being like, hey, whatever. Like, I don't like that. I like yeah. to either be like guarded or be like all in on someone. So usually a reference for me. I'm not afraid to ask Gordon anymore. I'm like, everyone knows I'm blind. Like everyone knows I don't <laughs> like that's everyone knows that. I feel like it's safe to if you've met you, me, you probably know I'm like blind and not aware. So um, she's like, yeah, um, but she did. You know, she clearly doesn't want to catch up. And so we asked her how she's been after Marty's conviction, which like, Bill, come on, like you need to read the room a little bit. Like, obviously, she's waiting tables. She's like doing her best. Yeah, Bill's Bill's like innocence is like fine, but it's so inappropriate even if she was like, even if he like ran into her because she was at this bar dressed in like a fur and like a diamond necklace, like I don't ever bring up like my ex-husband who cheated on me with multiple women and then is in jail for murder. Like right. don't ask me how I feel about him and don't like mention his name to me. For sure. For sure. And she's like, you know, um, I, I'm divorced now. And she's like, I have to drop this off at a table. So she brings these drinks to the table <laughs> and um, he said, well, come by and stop by and say hi to me when you have a minute. He's like calling after her. This guy could not be more unaware. And then Matt hears this and he's like, so, you know, Carrie and Bill's like, yeah, but not well. You know, my ex-wife used to work for her ex-husband's company, which when he says that I'm like, God, Bill, you are so you're such a doofus. Yeah, Bill's Bill's got a huge loser energy. First off, he's at the bar alone. He's at the so, bar alone. You're here alone drinking, which like is absolutely fine to do. But like, where are your friends, Bill? And then you recognize someone that you know through like a person of a person, which like feels very desperate to me. Like if I saw like my friend's ex-girlfriend's roommate, 
I wouldn't be like, let me flag her down. Like, it's like, it's like not being cool enough to like, to like recognize someone from afar and then be like, actually, like, I don't really know them that well. Like, so like that has weird loser energy. And then him just spilling the beans about what's going on with Marty to a stranger is loser energy. Like nobody's privacy is respected. Nobody's personal space is respected. Bill's like a sad man who's like, by himself. I want Bill to, to close his tab and go home. Yeah, I mean, it's just basically like I'm getting big, like waiting out traffic energy. Like when you go get a drink to wait out traffic. Right. Like I'm kind of getting like, OK, I get that. But then like in those moments as a, a bar patron, you accept that you're alone in that moment. Like you're having a beer so that you can kill 45 minutes on your phone and just like be alone. You're not there to like socialize. And this man is socializing with anyone who will talk to him, which is probably, you know, he's going through a divorce himself, clearly. So there's a lot of change going on there. But he offers up all the deets. He's like, yeah, she's a sweet lady, but she never got mixed up with that guy, Marty. You know, he killed uh, his lover who was a sex worker. Yeah, to an absolute stranger. Like Matt literally just says, oh, you know her? And then he's like, yes. And here's four very personal things I know about her. And if your own coworker doesn't know that about you, like the last, you know, like if if Matt doesn't know, then why would this guy Bill feel like Matt needs to know? Her coworker of all people could ask her these questions. Right. If he says, bet she wish never got mixed up with that guy. And the response isn't, yeah, you're probably right then don't say anything. Say, say no more. <laughs> true. True. Okay. So Carrie sees that the two of them are talking and she like goes out to the alley to blow off some steam, which also felt very sir. Yes. Very like going through like the back lot to like smoke a cigarette and like rage text someone. And then uh, meanwhile, Matt calls Ashley and leaves her a message to call him when she gets a chance. Cause now these two are Olson and Olson detective. Right. services. They're like they're like slowly connecting the dots, obviously way too late. But like everything's like gelling in their mind now. Ashley and Matt also look like they could be first cousins. Mm. Reminds me a lot of um. have you seen that? I think it's an Instagram that's like related or dating or siblings right. are dating. Right. Like they look like they could be in the same bloodline. It's not like, oh, my God, you guys are cousins. Like, I think if I don't think there's anything like crazy unique about to happen there when they breed. No, they're going to have two extremely normal looking white babies that have brownish sandy hair and it's going to be fine. Um, So Ashley goes back to her apartment that night and Carrie is scared to see her. Right. Like Carrie already knows that they're beginning the investigation, which if I was Carrie, I would have played dumb. Yeah, she's been doing that for so much of the movie that it's almost weird for her now to like to like kind of like pivot to be like, OK, so I know, you know, some stuff. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, OK, she's going to deliver this you know, pretty over the top performance here. 3744 to 3934. Hi. Hey. So I guess Matt told you, huh? Listen, Ashley, I want to explain. When I met my ex-husband, Marty, I was 28. I had a string of bad relationships. 
And Marty swept me off my feet. He was sweet, caring, and ambitious. I thought he was a real stand-up guy. Turns out, he was always a conniving, deceitful liar. We'd only been married a year when he had his first affair. I, I pretended not to know, hoping it would end, I guess. Finally, he got involved with a prostitute. They got into a fight, he shot her, and that's when it all came crashing down. I'm so sorry, that must have been devastating. Everything in my life changed. I couldn't even stay in the house. There was no money for anything. How could have I been with someone so worthless? Anyway, it was then I learned I had no one to rely on but myself. And your friends, like me and Matt and Kyle. Oh, all you guys are so great. Carrie, I don't want you to ever feel like you are alone. You have so many people in your life that care about you. Ashley, you're such an amazing friend. Okay, so pardon if it sounds like I have a big fat cat purring directly next to my microphone. It just so happens that I I do and I can't do anything about it right now. But I don't think I would have had the emotional maturity that Ashley is displaying here if presented with this news at like 20. I guess we're saying like 21 for her. I would have been like, what? Like your husband was with a prostitute. Like I would not, I was so naive. I wouldn't have known how to handle this information, let alone have the compassion that she has. Granted, she does go back and gossip to her boyfriend, but. I mean, she's, she's definitely like more measured than normal, but like, yeah, she's like too calm. She's like, she's, she's too calm because it's like she maybe doesn't even understand what like is all of that information as like not like hit her system yet because i feel like if it was somebody older like closer to carrie's age who had like already been in like that type of relationship not you know your husband cheating on you at every second but like maybe you'd already been divorced or something you'd be kind of calm because you'd be like oh yeah like i've seen this shit like and then maybe you'd be like oh like are you okay but Ashley's response should be like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, that's a lot. Like, like uh, what? Like, like be more bewildered. But actually she's like completely like nonplussed about it. And then she's like, okay, bye. Yeah. This is a lot of empathy for a young girl to have about very grown problems. I right. Would say. Right. Um, so Ashley's having breakfast with Matt and Ethan and Matt's like, you know, it's just kind of weird that Carrie didn't know her husband. You know, she didn't seem to know him very well. And Ashley's like, yeah, well, you know, some people are really good at lying. And Ethan says that a lot of people have some weird stuff in their past. Matt's like, you know, I still think that, like. The right thing would have been for like Carrie to tell you about this before you guys moved in, which I don't know, like maybe the right thing to do would have been like no Carrie before you invite her to move in. Right. Like. For sure, this information is like pertinent, but like uh, if you're interested in like living with someone that you've known for three months, like 
actually, maybe it's not your business. Like it definitely was a point. It's not pertinent because like everything like she knew about her as a coworker is the exact same, except she just knows more about it. Right. I mean, I think you're right. It's like, it's like getting yourself this in this deep with someone that you don't know, regardless of what you don't know about them is like already a bad idea. So it's like, it's unfortunate that the person you like dove all the way in with like has more skeletons in their closet than like you anticipated, but like everyone's got like a past and a life. So it's like, unless, unless this like connects the dots because you randomly saw her standing over you with like, a gun one night like I don't understand how this is related to you living together is she paying the rent like like yeah. then uh, whatever she's lending her computer I, every the, everything's still you know going according to plan so there's this moment where Anna calls Carrie and Anna's looking like a real salty dog she's like leaned up against the back of her cab with her aviators on she's having a Jojo beans moment. She does seem very like all American slash like she's seen some shit in this moment. And she's like, yeah. So I happen to find out where Paula lives. She's got a trip planned to Atlanta. This is where the cab driver element of Anna is very important as a tool for them. And I didn't even think of that. Like that's so G to like really be working that angle as a cab driver. Yeah. Like having having the whole thing set up that she essentially like can put herself really easily in that position is like the type of like forward plot thinking that like, I don't have a brain for So like congrats to the writer for like being able to like flesh out a character that like works in that way. Although I want to acknowledge that she is sort of like kind of trying to start the inkling of hatching this plan on the phone while she's actually on the clock. And while she's like just chatting her way through this, there's a man who like exits the maybe hotel or business uh, office who has to let himself into the cab and then patiently just sit in the back seat for her to finish his call. And like, if I was calling a cab I imagine like my need would be pretty urgent to like be driving away soon after I got in the car and like the idea that like she's just keeping someone waiting so she can be on the phone it's like maybe you shouldn't have clocked in while you're on this call this guy well this is like back when we lived at the complete mercy of cab drivers like when cab drivers could be absolute animals and like what were we gonna say like we needed a cab Like we live in a world now where like that behavior is so inappropriate because like we essentially have gotten to used to like limousine service. But cab drivers, in my experience, never cared if you lived or died. That's true. That's true. I mean, also, in my experience, cab drivers take the longest way possible and then just don't care how much money you spend on the ride. But yeah, I mean, you're totally right. It's like it's like she really he can't do anything about whether she actually gets off the phone and drives him because like, what is he going to do? Like call another cab? Like sometimes cabs came in five minutes. Sometimes they came in 45. This is the scheduled, you know, Hyatt pickup that this guy had. He's clearly getting back on a plane today. So um, Richard's leaving work and it's like kind of a great scene where like, again, this is like where you can tell this movie was shot like a real movie. Like they got this location outside. It's an exterior of his like trench coat blowing in the wind. And he calls Ashley, who's like walking through campus. And he tells her that this paperwork came for her scholarship. and 
she's like, you opened my mail. And he's like, yeah, but it was for good reason. Like you need to release your grades to them or they're not going to send you your check for next semester. And also I called your mechanic and they said, you haven't gotten your car fixed yet. And she's like, oh, I'm going to do that soon. Just leave. He offers to meet up with her for like lunch. And she's like, I can't just leave them out for me in the foyer at, at home and I'll come pick them up. So, you know, this is where I'm starting to turn and be like, you know what? Daddy Richard's kind of sweet. Yeah, this is like the moment in which like actually just listen to your father. Like this isn't like appropriate to be sort of like the rebellious kid on this. Like he's actually just trying to help you. He wants you to take your car to the mechanic and he wants you to graduate from college, which are like perfectly nice things to want for someone you care about. So it's like it's so in this moment, it's super annoying that she plays it like she's so like put upon by like his like attention because it's like, girl, if you don't like take your car to the mechanic, like I lost a car two years ago because I never took it to the mechanic and then the engine died. Like, yeah, like, in that moment, it's like it's like, yeah, maybe your dad's not trying to like control your life. Maybe he just like sees something you don't and is making like a kind suggestion on your behalf. I fuck with daddy Richard truly like he's got some problems, but as do all people of a certain age, you know, you come with a certain amount of damage at daddy Richard's age. That's what I'm calling him now. So, um, Anna is, you know, in her cab and she's like manipulating the radio to make sure that later on she's going to get the call to Paula's house. And then we see Ethan at home on the couch with his laptop out. He decides to call the Philadelphia PD to get the details on Marty's case. And the captain puts him in touch with the officer who worked on the case. So then we go to Richard at the wine tasting that night. And when I say I fucking love that they just went for a useless character like this, that he's talking to like major life event is announced. Like I'm going to go ahead and say that this almost feels like a backdoor pilot for what I don't know. <laughs> Cause I don't know what this story would like spur into other than maybe like a father daughter type show. Like there's no like mysteries to be solved in the future, but they're sort of setting this up a little bit like a pilot where they're introducing unnecessary characters um, in sort of like establishing a world. Um, okay, let's play forty-two fifteen to forty-three thirty-one. So, did you get a chance to look at those design concepts I sent over? I did. Minimalism is perfect. I love the lighting designs, especially. Well, you said you wanted modernism. <laughs> Absolutely, less is more. Now, is that a very pale, sparkling wine, or are you drinking water at a wine tasting? Yes, actually, uh, John got the tickets before I found out that I'm... Uh, uh, you're what? Five months, and it's a little boy. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Thanks. Have you got a name picked up? Not yet. We haven't found one that we can both agree on. <laughs> well, is there anything wrong with Richard? No. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> That's terrific. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Renee, can you excuse me for a minute? Uh, a friend of mine has just arrived. Sure, of course. We'll talk Monday. Great. Okay. Bye. You look amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Just imagine how I'll look after a few bottles of wine. <laughs> I'll get even funnier, too. You do just fine on your own. Here, uh, try this wine. It's terrific. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. 
Okay, here's another possibility for like the reason for that interior designer's character. Do you think she was maybe sent in to show that Richard's not just like a sleaze? Um, I don't know. I feel like, well, I don't even know if they ever play him. Like he's like this super horned up, like dad, ex-husband. He obviously like gets his flirt on really easily, but I almost feel like they brought her in to like show that like, he's like smart. Like he's not just this sort of like, like, like empty headed, like business guy who just has a lot of money and then like pays other people to like make the decisions like I feel like they like bring her in to show like wow like he's really tapped into like the day-to-day handlings of his business like he's really like comprehensively like a business guy he has a design interest he like knows art he knows wine like he's like you know like the renaissance man yeah it almost feels like a note you know what I mean like yeah they were like you need we need to see that like he's more I don't know, like everything about him that's like extra at any point is to sort of prove that he has a career. And I don't know how that could have been beaten over our heads more because like he's got all these relationships. We're referencing properties. We've got Zhang. Like there's a lot there. Right. He's always doing a business thing or he's like leaving a meeting or he's like going to a meeting like the design thing also was so funny because they were talking in such like generic terms that like I would have to like flip back through like a design like catalog from 2011 but it must have been a time when like minimalism was really in and like like the idea that they were just like sort of saying all these like like a hot take like buzzwords like less is more modernism it's like okay like these sound like what you would say if you like lied about knowing design no i feel like they almost looked up like what design trends were going to be relevant like two years from now right like he's like like it it's like he's so cutting edge and he's like so smart and like because he's so good at what he does 2011 was kind of like gaudy I mean, all the late 20s was like, or all the 2000s feel pretty like maximalism. Like it feels like a time. I mean, when I was in high school, like the, my mom was like deep into pure one of just buying shit for the sake of like its decor, like not like does it serve a purpose? Like, no, but like if yeah. we have a table in the hallway, it needs to have these three things on it. Yeah. You got to have some glass ball, like some random right. glass ball. Yeah. Right. That feels like the time. Yeah. Like when people were just selling, like, here's a wooden bowl. And then here's like some like, like wicker pine cones that go inside of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also Lifetime, we have to remember Lifetime's always a few years behind. So like this, you know, like I don't think it was on trend when they made this movie. I think they tried their best, but it's still it always feels a little discount with Lifetime. Right. I just I just love that they really like zoomed in on like like four specific like keywords to like let everyone know that like oh this guy's like talking in like design jargon yeah like, it's jargony yeah like he really like gets it but so yeah what do you think like when she pulls up what do you think about her outfit Carrie's outfit well that outfit is very peak like 
2000s club look like she her whole vibe seems to be that she really loves this like this like strapless like empire waist they're almost like these like baby doll like silhouette dresses yeah that, like are strapless but they either like one of them had like a bubble hem and like they have like a weird fabric that they're very like like 2010 like prom it doesn't favor her figure. And you're right. It is very like feel the rain on your skin. Like this whole thing is very like the hills going out top. Like how can I have a going out top on, but like still know that I'm a couple miles from home. Right. Cause this isn't her outfit to this wine tasting doesn't feel like what a anyone would wear, but B like, it doesn't feel like what a wine tasting would be. What I think is like, maybe like elevated, like chic casual, like maybe like a really nice sweater and some slacks or like, or like a black dress. Like it's not, it's not super formal, but like what she's wearing is almost like weirdly too formal. Yeah. I like that. You know, one thing I'm thinking is that daddy Richard might like that. She, is in a position in her life that she doesn't have like a perfectly tailored LBD ready to go. Right. She's like a little, like the power dynamic is like, she's a little like below him. So it's like, he can still be like the suave rich guy. She's not on his level struggling, but has potential. Right. So Anna picks up Paula and Paula's like, Oh, you got here so quickly. And Anna's like, Oh yeah, I was just in the area. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I love this little like dialogue. This was well done. Like we didn't just see Anna rolling her suitcase up to or like Paula rolling her suitcase up to the car. We got like a little moment and then we go back to Richard and Carrie. They're getting a little bit sloppy now at the wine tasting and they're flirting up a, a storm and sort of playfully arguing about how they're both cut off because they can't stop giggling and she can't even remember what wine she's drinking anymore. So she suggests her favorite Japanese restaurant, uh, Shizumi. And he's like, that's my favorite restaurant. So as we remember from the very beginning, this was in the emails that Anna told her. So she's bookmarked this Japanese restaurant. Right. She's done her homework. And we see Paula's in the backseat of the cab texting and who hasn't been here. And you look up and you're like, where the fuck am I? And Anna's like, oh, we're taking a different route because of all the construction. And Paula knows that something's not totally right. But like, let's be real. Paula does not drive around that part of town at night by herself. So she has no she can't really speak to it. Then Anna like pulls her under this bridge. And Paula's like, what the hell is going on? That's when Anna gets out with a gun. She tells Paula to get out of the back seat. Paula's like, are you robbing me? Just take whatever you want. And without a word, Anna shoots her. And goes, you wouldn't understand. I feel like in that moment, I started like laughing a little bit because I was like, Paula, you don't even understand. Or Anna, like, you don't even understand. Like, nobody understands what's going on right now. Like, you just shot this poor woman who was wearing a shawl as a jacket. And like, right. <laughs> like she didn't deserve this. Her last question is why? Which like... That's just, so sad. Yeah, it's like... Which is also so perfect for her character because Paula is smart enough to ask a why question. Anna's like not smart enough to be asking why questions. So I think that this is like, honestly, I'm going to take it as like a writing note where they were like, what is Anna's motivation to do this? Because you do start to lose sight of what Anna's motivation would be here, right? Like she's not marrying into the rich relationship. She is what like going to get money via 
carry over time or like social goodwill. Like, I feel like if anything, they're running with this. And I and I base this largely on like Carrie's big like reveal monologue and then what they were talking about at the house, which is like you wouldn't even understand how poor we were like you cannot people like you can't comprehend what we've been through. So I feel like that it feels like writing to me, like it feels like that was very intentional writing that just seems silly because like it made sense on the page. But like in the flow of the movie, that line feels really out of place. Right. Right. It's like, well, it's like Anna's slowly becoming like, like a caricature. It's like, she's not, she's no longer like this dynamic part of like their like duo and like why things are happening. And like, she's like, not like, she's not like, like moving the plot along. She's sort of like just being like propped up in situations. So it's like starting to get really weird that like Anna's just like, Oh, somebody else got to die. Okay. You know, put on my shooting gloves, going out, you know, it's an honest job, whatever. Somebody's got to do it. Like, like she's sort of becoming this like weird, like one dimensional character. Whereas like Carrie's like, like getting to do so much stuff. She's kind of a little bit more dynamic, like, but they're like just putting Anna in this position where like her job is slowly just becoming like, I don't know, holding down the fort in a million ways while Carrie like kind of just wines and dies and has a great time with this other guy. Yeah, because Anna's all business. And I I almost feel like the best way they could have transitioned out of this scene would be to show like the stark contrast between, you know, Anna going about business this way and Carrie sort of getting caught up in like, I think a lot of the emotional details that uh, someone like Anna couldn't have pulled off. And like, I guess I wish more I knew more about the stakes of like what they were going to do once Carrie was able to pull off this big con. But like they they pan to Paula like dead on the ground. And I wish that instead of even giving Anna that line there, they would have just like her shooting the gun and then straight into this scene at the restaurant. So like the cut would be like from the gunshot to forty six oh six to forty seven forty eight. You look incredible. Mm. Mm, I'm sorry. Somebody's texting me. Is that important? Mm. No, not at all. (laughs) Good, because I'm enjoying getting to know you better. (laughs) Oh, Richard, I think I should tell you something. I think I should tell you why I got a divorce. My ex-husband is Marty Remington. Marty? Yes. Marty Remington, the guy that killed that prostitute last year? I went back to my maiden name for obvious reasons. <laughs> and anyway, that's that's kind of why I'm in the situation I am and financially. I had no idea until after he was convicted that he had squandered every penny we had. Just like the affair with the woman he murdered, he had kept it all a secret. Oh, Carrie, I'm so sorry. It was hard to make sense of it all at first. Um, You know, now I realize when he went to prison, it was like a door opened and I was free. Oh, I can't imagine what that one must have been like. Done such a great job putting your life back together. Well, you know, you do what you have to do. 
Anyway, that's that's why I started working at the restaurant. And of course, I met your daughter, who is an incredible young woman. And then you met me. <laughs> and then I met you. So the text from Anna saying that she's done really inspires her to like reveal this information. And he is surprisingly not judgmental about it, which makes me wonder what daddy Richard's seen on the road, you know, and all of his traveling days, like maybe this isn't that bad for him. I feel like he's pretty open-minded in general, like his like interest in like how her divorce went down initially, like, obviously is flirting, but like, he's not like phased by like anything she says. Like, I feel like he's pretty much like, okay, like no judgment here. Like divorces happen. He's been through two of them. Like, I feel like he seems pretty like even keel about like any information he gets. I'm going to throw out a name to you. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you probably know this person, but like re I'm like on a still right now. And I want to take a screenshot of it because it's so uncanny. But this truly does like in this scene, she looks like almost like a deep fake of Marissa A. Ross. Do you know Marissa? Yes. Like she looks like a deep fake of Marissa. Like they have the same facial beauty and like the deep fake part of it is that this acting is just so bizarre. Like this is like, it's so strange to see someone who looks so much like someone I know acting not at all like the person I know. Like it is very bizarre. Did you see that at all? I no, that didn't even like come to mind. I will be honest, but I can imagine that's a very weird feeling. It's to, like, so witness. it's so random that I would have like I wouldn't have put it together because like typically I try not to. I hate the do you know you look like thing, but they have the same face, like the same. They're the same type of beautiful. Like it's u- a unique look. Oh, uh, okay. Now that I'm looking at this picture, yes, but it's also like it's impossible to imagine because Marissa. Ross would never have hair like that. So it's like I can just remove it from my mind. No, I know. It's like it really does look like a deep bake. So um, Ethan is hanging up the phone after doing all of his reporting at night. And Matt and Ashley walk in. Ethan just like, you know, tells Ashley, he just talked to Yancey, the cop who worked the Shea Benson murder. And I love, like, honestly, the respect they're showing to this victim because they're not calling it like the woman Marty, like, the woman Carrie's husband killed like they're calling her Shay Benson. Yeah. The fact that they gave her like a whole name is like, obviously like I'm glad that she became like an actual character, but I do want to talk about the fact that (laughs) the scene, the movie opens with you getting the information immediately that Marty is being arrested for the murder of Shay Benson, which I wrote down her name because I was like, okay, got to keep this like on the tip of my tongue. This woman doesn't really come back into the movie until like three fourths of the way through. So it's like almost like why I know why we get the information, but it's like it's such a weird fake out to be like, okay, so I'm coming into this like I know that the plot of this movie is going to be that we're trying to figure out who murdered her. But it's like actually she goes on the back burner for like almost an hour and then she like kind of pops up again. Well, again, these are the things that always make me feel like this is a like it's a backdoor pilot, like a potential pilot. 
Because when they start like naming people and introducing side characters, like the way they introduce Roland feels weird. The right. Way they introduce the interior designer felt weird. The fact that we're referring to this, you know, deceased mistress as um, Shay Benson feels intimate for what's supposed to be a, a brief moment on TV. But um, yeah, so they find out that basically like, Marty had a factoring company, which is like one step above a, a loan shark. It's like you buy people's debt and just hold it against them. Um, they found the gun in the car that was supposed to be the murder weapon. And apparently they were arguing the day before. So it was kind of an open and shut case. And she asked, you know, if his friend said anything about Carrie. And she said that Carrie testified on his behalf and had no idea he was having an affair. And, and Ashley's like, well, that's not true because Carrie told me she knew about affairs for years. And, um, you know, she's like, she seemed pretty glad that this guy was in prison. It's hard for her to believe that she was trying to get this guy off. And she's like, well, anything else? And he goes, well, Marty's brother hated Carrie and had nothing good to say about her. And Ashley, she likes this. She's getting a little light in her eyes. She's getting like that look that like happens with like every it's like almost like the bachelor where it's like it's like, okay, this person's like too good to be true. They're taking up too much of everyone's time. They're in the spotlight. And then the girl who's like kind of a little more like petty hatery, like, like says like, oh, well, like I heard this thing. And then suddenly everyone's like got renewed levels of energy because they're like excited to like band together to like take down the person in the spotlight. This is what they needed to go another round for sure. For sure. Yeah. This is some fresh producer information. Right. Like she's like, she's excited and interested in the information in a way that like, if someone was like, okay, well, I heard that like the cheerleader, like, I don't know, got her period in the middle of class, had to like wear a sweater around her waist. And then the girl who's been bullied by the cheerleader is suddenly like, oh, really? Like yeah. she has like a glean, like, or like a glint of like excitement in her eye when she goes like, when Ethan's like, okay, well, like Marty's brother said a bunch of like mean things about her. And she goes, oh, really? Like she's so interested in hearing like the shit. This is what she's needed. So Ashley, you know, what this poor son of a bitch doesn't even know is that her dad is like actively fucking Carrie, like as this is happening. And again, we close on an Ethan shot of him smiling, knowing that he's done something good. Like it makes me sad because I'm like, Ethan, you know, you don't have to like ruin Carrie's life just because your brother pays for your life because you're in a wheelchair, right? Yeah, I want Ethan to like like be able to branch out and get some friends that like accept him for him and like not just because he can like sometimes bring them like classified information because I I feel like that's why that's like what he thinks his like role is in the group is like oh like I'm like the mole and that's like why they love me like which is like that's so sad Ethan like I want I want you to know that like your personality like is enough but also when Ethan like calls um the other officer to like get uh information about uh, marty remington one of the first things the officer says is oh Ethan, good for here good to hear from you are you better it's right. like you asked it well, is he what is he walking like it's why like, you are you back him? on your feet bud and it's like i don't know i feel like that would be like probably like unit-wide information like you know, the cop and your small crew that got mangled in a motorcycle accident. <laughs> right. I feel like there would be like a bulletin about that. 
There would be like a memo, like people would be like, hey, you're not going to see the guy you used to work next to for like maybe the next six months because he's like learning to like regain his ability to like use his legs. Like true to like ask him like, hey, are you better? It's like so tone deaf that like I would like I applaud Ethan for his patience to like gloss over that because if somebody asked me, I'd be like, are you serious? Well, it feels very Bill like Bill from the bar. That's like, right. hey, Carrie, it's me. Like, it just feels like dumb, like fucking white guy energy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, just like missing the point. Yeah. Just like, hey, this is cool, right? Like, dude, chill out. Um, so Carrie and Richard are like all tangled up in his sheets and Carrie puts on his button down shirt and she's walking around the place and she's kind of like owning it. She's getting used to the way it feels. She like smiles at herself in the mirror. And then we cut to Ashley and Matt in bed that night and Matt has passed out, but Ashley's mind is absolutely racing. So in the morning, Ashley gets up early to get the paperwork from her dad's house. And, you know, this is one of those spiritually aligned moments. Like you don't even know you're about to walk into a shit storm, but something told you that morning, Hey, don't do this after coffee. Do this right now. Get up, put your work clothes on from last night and get your dad over, like get your ass over to your dad's house. This could have gone so many ways, but timing God, God was watching her timing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's literally, it's, perfect more perfect timing doesn't exist so richard and carrie are like kissing good morning while ashley's driving over unbeknownst to them and he's like i was thinking we could go get breakfast at the country club and she's like well i'm free all day which i was like come on clean it up you're not free all day like right leave some mystery act coy and he's like well you know you know if you need clothes there's still some clothes in ashley's room which is that's gross Richard. Yeah, that's him being like, like horned up, like sleaze dad. Like, that's not like I'm acting in my daughter's best interest at all time, dad. Like, that's like, oh, I can clock that you guys are on the same size because like I'm a little observant and I really like your body. And if you want clothes, just borrow them from my daughter, who is your roommate and friend and a decade younger than you. A little bit of misogyny from my boy, Daddy Richard. Not happy to hear that. So, um, you know, he's like, well, I think I'll, I'm going to have to tell her eventually. I don't know how she'll take it. You know, she is always mad at me. And I'm like, well, Daddy Richard, this might be the first time that I think that she has an absolute right to be mad with you. Like, even the meet my colleague's son thing wasn't that bad. You can meet someone. Yeah. The, the like recognizing that you already have a tenuous, relationship with your daughter and then understanding how she's like related to this woman that you're like interested in like having sex with and then like disregarding all of that so that you can like get your like old guy like rocks off is like super selfish which like own that that's fine like everyone's allowed to be selfish but also like such a huge misstep that it seems like you like like Richard seems like such a big picture guy that it's like you didn't understand that like this is gonna make it really hard for you to like repair your relationship with your daughter which seems really important to you yeah yeah for sure um and then okay so Ashley gets there And she lets herself in, of course, it's her dad's house. And then she spots Carrie in the kitchen, 5240 to 5349. Ashley, what are you doing here? 
Oh, um, your dad invited me to wine tasting last night, and we had a little bit too much to drink, so I... you slept here last night? Ashley? Did she stay here? Yes, she did. I, I can explain. I thought you were my friend. I am. So you sleep with my dad behind my back? No. And you slept in the guest room. You did sleep together. Can I talk to you privately? No. I don't want to hear it. Yes, you do. You need to talk, and you need to talk right now. How could you do this? I walk in here to see my roommate wearing my clothes, basking in the afterglow of screwing my dad? Ashley, it just happened. We were having a great time. We had a lot to drink. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, it just... just happened. I don't need to hear this right now. Ashley... I'll talk to her later. Dude, I love it on TV when like a family suddenly is close enough that like the daughter can turn to the father and, and be like, you fucked my friend. Like when that boundary of not discussing sex with your parent is so down on a TV show. I love that. I I totally like miss this when I when I watch it, but re, like hearing it back again, I miss the part where he said we had a lot to drink. It was really fun. Do you like do you think that's like the right thing to like that's such like Jack's vibes of like I couldn't have been bad. Like it was a good time. Right. Like, it's like this is how you want to sort of reason that you're like having sex with your daughter's like decade old roommate. Like it's it's so it. It's a misstep, Richard. It's a misstep. I'm, an, I'm not going to lie. It might even be Schwartz because like Jax is sort of like, what do you expect with Jax? But Schwartz is like always like, Baba, come on. Like I was drunk. Like I couldn't help it. Like I don't even know what happened. We just were really we were drunk and like things happened. Like I can't even say like that. It felt it felt very like sort of tail between his legs but like you can't blame me meanwhile i would be so pissed that my parent is even in contact with my friend that i wouldn't be able to move past that like i don't even think i would have been able to digest everything she just brought up there's like a multitude of like of like horrible things that like occur when she like walks in the house like realizing that her dad i mean like obviously i know parents are humans i, I would not be ready at 22 23 to have a conversation with that my mom was having sex with anybody like that would not be like something i was interested in but that aside like seeing no like recognizing that my dad had sex recognizing that it was with my roommate who's also my coworker who's also someone i consider like a sister seeing her in my clothing like that i have oh, not God. like consented to like let her borrow but like my dad feels like fine with and then my dad reasoning that he got like fucked up and like was like in party mode so like what's the big deal like like find like find my like empathy for this like it's so much to process i really it's like also with how little ashley has like the ability to like see bad in people i feel like it's system overload totally and like okay so these two fucking animals decide to go through their day together which is just insane that after this they go get breakfast that's how horny they are for each other and when he drops her off at her car he's like hey you know um I'm going to talk to Ashley, but I was wondering if maybe you want to go to Jersey to um, 
hang out with me. I'm I'm in a few days. I'm going to Jersey to check out my property. I'd love to bring you. She's like, sounds perfect. And they start kissing in the street. And he's like, oh, don't get me too excited. So they're like peak horny <sighs> for each other. This is the beginning of something. And um, once Carrie's alone, she calls Annie or Anna, who only wants good news today. So Carrie tells her, you know, she's going away to Jersey with him for a few days. If everything goes well, she should be moving in pretty soon. It's so I mean, it's so funny for her to like, I I mean, say like the quiet part out loud, because I really feel like this is so real. It's so real that people like get in relationships like this. So it's so funny to have someone be like obviously for like really malicious reasons, but like be like so hyper aware that like, okay, yeah, like we like basically just met like two weeks ago and then we went on like two dates and then we hooked up and he, we're spending the day together and then he's inviting me on a trip. So like, obviously like on that trajectory, I'm going to live here soon, which yeah. is like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, the accuracy of this particular flavor of horny is so specific here that it's like almost painful to watch because you're like oh i've been that embarrassing before like i know this exact stage they're in and how gross for everyone so richard comes into ashley's work and asks for five minutes of her time and he explains her you know carrie thinks the world of her and she's like dad you don't even fucking know what's going on with carrie and she's like oh that your husband that her husband was a murderer yeah i know she told me everything Um, which is, I think, probably a really surreal moment for Ashley, because like when you figure out that your parents know about all the the things that are wrong with the world, that's a deep moment. Yeah, I kind of I kind of love also that her dad was able to be like because she was so I feel like she like really was holding on to that information of like what was going on with Carrie's like uh, ex-husband as like, okay, here's like my like my like final boss move. Like, like once I throw this out, like here's the bomb that's going to like detonate all of it. And it is really funny to watch her be like, okay, but did you know? And your dad's like, yeah, girl, I know. Yeah. And like, and it means like nothing. That's like the well-traveled part of him or like the part of him. That's just like, you're yeah, you are a society dude that like, it doesn't even occur to you why this is so horrific to your daughter. Like, you know how crazy the world can be. So, you know, he's like, Carrie's a, a sharp shooter. You must know that about her. Otherwise, you wouldn't be roommates. And Ashley's like, listen, I'm not going to tell you I'm happy about this if that's what you want. So I'm like, done. Peace. Then Ashley, Matt and Ethan are having a pizza night again. Anytime we see Ethan, there's food. That's what I'm saying. Like, I really want Ethan to gain like confidence to make new friends. He's, I want like, him to this gain a- DoorDash. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a horrible dynamic like i'm like sad for him but yeah he's like it's like this level of dependency where they're like deeply dependent on him for information about people they barely know and then he's dependent on them to like eat it's like like the vibe is like not the same the energy is not reciprocal yeah like you know matt's walking around the world thinking like oh i gotta run a salad home to matt like what is or i gotta run a salad home to ethan like what is he gonna do without me And meanwhile, like Ethan's having an entire emotional world that's just completely undiscovered. Right. Poor Ethan is like this weird, like, like Pavlovian dog who's like, okay, once I eat information come, like, it's like, it's like, (laughs) what did you guys do to him? Like put him like in a facility, like, or he can at least make friends. Like what, like kind of like weird, like ma level trauma have you like inflicted on him? 
So Ashley's like, you know, I just feel so betrayed by this. And Ethan's like, well, you know, maybe it's not so bad. I mean, Matt did say Carrie's hot. And like, this is like just such an awkward bro movement moment because like, I can't imagine that like Matt was like, yeah, I mean, Carrie's like fucking banging, dude. Like, I don't think that that happened. Him like toning it down to be like, oh, Matt, like maybe like said something about how she's like kind of pretty. Like when it's like he probably like texted Ethan being like, there's this new server here with these big tits. Like I'm so <laughs> like I'm so into her. Gotta find out more. And then like his girlfriend pops up and is like three martinis, please. Like it's like there's no way he like said it that PG to him. But also the like level of like bro code were like. This is why I feel bad for Ethan. He's so bored. He's like super done with like how completely like serene and peaceful and like good their relationship is. He's over them constantly, like probably moaning and groaning on the couch at night. Like he's like, he's like super bored by it. He like knows what he's doing. Like anybody knows what they're doing. If they say, Oh, your boyfriend said this woman was hot. Like he's so in chaos to like, like have some shit to like do because he's like, He's like bored. He's like, this will pass the time tonight. Hey, by the way, your boyfriend wants to fuck the waitress. Your dad's also fucking. So Ashley wants to know what the brother's name was, what Marty's brother's name was, the one who didn't like Carrie, because she knows, Okay, this and that information earlier that I had from my dad today did not pop off. Now I have to make something pop off. So then we see this like, you know, homeless guy kind of looks like a junkie. He's collecting cans under a bridge and he stumbles upon Paula's body and That makes me sad because like, dude, he doesn't need any more trauma. Like this guy has been through so much. Why do we always have to rely on like a homeless junkie under a bridge collecting cans to find a body? It's always it's always either that or it's like a a handful of very innocent kids. Like it's never like it's never like a hardened like police officer or like a fully capable of processing something adult. It's either like someone who's like having like the worst and longest day of their life, or it's like three nine-year-olds who like have never heard that the world is bad yet. Like, but I also feel like I was disappointed when he found her body because I wanted to believe that Anna's a better hitman than this. Didn't even try to bury her. Didn't even try to put some leaves on her. Didn't even try to put her body in like a trash bag. Just literally like shot her dead, rolled her off of the street, and then probably went to pick up more fares. With Paula's like shock blonde hair and like cream suit, like she was getting found in a day. Like you didn't even try. It's like you, you wanted to be caught. Like, it's like, you're not even trying, which like could be interesting if Paula or if Anna was so over it that she was like, I'm going to do this so badly that like, this has to like start an investigation because I'm like, I'm like tired and I just want to like be found out. Like even that would be like, kind of like fun, like a fun new dynamic, but like, yeah, it almost just seems like Paula's like really bad at this. So it's like, It's like Carrie's bad, but who knew that maybe Paula's worse? So Ashley gets home the next day and Carrie like wants to talk to her about all of this while she's packing a bag. And Ashley's doing this sort of like, whatever, it's fine. I don't care thing. And then she clocks the suitcase and Carrie's like, yeah, your dad invited me out to Jersey for a couple days. So Carrie's not apologizing and saying, like, if you don't want me to see your dad anymore. I will. She's like, I'm apologizing because I know you're upset, but I'm definitely dating your dad and we're going out of town. 
and Ashley basically is just like, you know what? You're both adults, whatever. Have a good night. So we see, um, <laughs> we see Ashley is like, we do get a, like a little clip by the way of Carrie rolling her suitcase down the street. And again, it's where you have to appreciate that this is shot on film. The fact that they like did the setup to get this ridiculous actress who looks like a fucking cartoon, like an anthropomorphic, what is it called? An anthropomorphic. Yeah. When like a uh, object is like humanized. Yeah. It looks like a, she looks like a swan like grew legs and put on like business casual and is rolling a 1999 suitcase that she bought in Chinatown down the street. It's like the most bizarre image. And the fact that they set up a whole crew of cameras to do this, like during like magic hour is insane. So she, um, Ashley's hauled ass out to the construction site and it looks like the way they set it up again is another good use of like, the real estate in quote unquote Philadelphia, because they make it look like she's hauled ass out to like the wrong side of the tracks, but the suburban version. Right. It's, it's like, it's just like a, it's like a nice construction site. It's like, nothing's like, nothing's too crazy. Nothing's like intimidating. Like she's not like in danger. It felt like a nod to gentrification for me. Yeah, it did. I mean, I don't know the like politics of Ontario where this is clearly said, not Philadelphia, but yeah, it felt like, okay, they start on a drone shot of like, you can see the stadium in Philly. So like, this is supposed to be, I think, in like a developing area in Philly. Right. I mean, I guess they like, I feel like they mix, they mix skylines. Like, like, I feel like they'll do these like kind of every town like shots for sure. And then we'll get like the skyline at night. And it's like, I have no idea where this is. And then, yeah, they did give us like a very like faithful, like shot of Philly. But yeah, I mean, it's like clearly like a nicer construction site. Like, like they're probably building something very nice and that's going to like displace a ton of people when it goes up and only nice people are going to go to it. So here we get this like introduction to Roland, who I'm sure was supposed to be a very important character in the series version of this 5835 to 5918. She wanted to take over his business. She thought she was going to manage that company. Looked to have seen her face when she found out he had nothing left. Hey, Hell uh, Waterson, he's got to get a woman, man. You got it. Sorry about that. Um, other thing, have you met any of her shady friends? Shady friends? No. I should say friend. One in particular, Anna. Best friend since they were kids. What was so sketchy about Anna? What was so sketchy about her? Uh, well, for one, she was arrested for robbery. Spent time in prison. I don't know, just didn't like her, you know. Birds of a feather and all that. What about her friend Frank, who died? Did you know him? Frank? No, I don't think I ever met him. So Carrie and Ashley are working the same shift that night. And Carrie's trying to be like a nice coworker. And she's like, table 26 needs another side of dressing. Do you want me to get you one? But Ashley is giving her like an expert level silent treatment. Like she really must have had stepmoms because... I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't even know how to like not react when someone's talking to me. So the fact that she pulls off this level of silent treatment is impressive. I feel like, I mean, again, it all goes back to Vanderpump rules, but she's, she's doing a, like, she's, she's doing like, 
like a Stasi or Katie to Sheena. Like she's doing right. like a classic, like, like the, we're establishing that, like, I don't like you and like, I'm better than you. So like, I'm just going to bully the shit out of you. Totally Sheena. Carrie's absolutely Sheena right now. So the next morning, Ashley sits down for breakfast, you know, with her piece of toast and Carrie, like the timing of it made me laugh because it's like the nightmare of what you would imagine living with someone would be like, you finally sit down. Like Ashley's even sort of smiling to herself, thinking about her morning toast and Carrie's head just like pops around like fucking Mr. Bean. And she's like, yeah, I'll be back in a couple days. And Ashley's just like, have fun. Like Ashley is not the type of person. I'm someone that like, even when I'm mad at someone, I'll be like, Hey, just so you know, I'm leaving. Like I'll tell them Ashley does not want that communicated to her. And this is where they differ. Yeah, I actually when she did that, when she did that sarcastic, like happen, like I felt like a pang of jealousy because I really miss I miss when you could just be so mad at someone and like you're is so in the right that you just get to be a dick to them. Right. And like, what are they going to do? They just take it because they like know how much they fucked up. Like now that like, I'm like older and like emotionally responsible. Like, I feel like I can't do that. Like in a relationship, I'm always like talking through all of my anger, but like, I really, I was just like, Oh my God, like an iconic level of like petty anger that I miss doing where I'm just like, okay, bye. Like whatever. Like I just, Oh my God. Like that bratty anger. I was like, I, I felt I was jonesing for it. I was You're like, right. It's we so fun. Have. We've kissed that part of our life. Goodbye. When we could just be like a cunt in the face of adversity. This is where we're officially in reverse mode. Right? So this is where the plot turns into an Ashley movie. And that that's the thing that I really like enjoyed about this from like an analyzation perspective like this was fun to watch happen so she starts going through (laughs) all of uh carrie's stuff and carrie's like bedside table drawer is like literally it looks like children's accessories she has like a (laughs) headband and like some loose bracelets all of it's very like colorful and tacky and then she looks through like the you know this like bag of clothing and finally she finds a leather planner type book and inside of that is an invoice saying that her $986 mortgage is two months overdue and right now she owes $1,972 this is dated September 20th 2010 so she's got the address on the paper I mean this is really all you need going in um yeah this is like pretty like damning evidence but i also want to point out that the letter is made out to carrie remington which i remember carrie specifically telling richard oh i went back to my maiden name ma'am no did you i have no idea what carrie's name is she never says it she like never says what her current last name is we're expected to think that she went back to her maiden name but then this male is like made out to carry Remington. Well, I have a feeling that Marty paid for this flop house before. Yeah. Like I think when they took out the mortgage, like when Anna allegedly took out this mortgage under her name without her permission, this is like when she, yeah, she used Marty's money to buy this house for them. Okay. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. I still don't like it, but I understand. So Richard and Carrie are driving to Cape May. This is like one of my favorite scenes just in terms of like, if you watch this movie, it's like taking acid 
um, 101.25 to 101.58. I got you a little something. I hope you like it. Ooh, what? You said chocolate was your weakness. Oh. Trying to make me weak, huh? Do I need chocolate to do that? Hardly. <laughs> Ooh. Feel my strength slipping away. I hate to be mean about people trying their best in acting, but like that subtlety and like subtlety gets you everywhere in a scene like this. Like Scarlett Johansson doesn't do sketch comedy acting or play acting when she's trying to be sultry and like seducing someone on film she does it's small actions that are seductive right this woman is looking like she's trying to sell seductive from like on the other side of central park like it's really it's so cartoonish she plays it over the top in a way that couldn't be like less attractive, but something that drives me crazy is she's like holding or she gets this like uh, box of like chocolate bonbons. And then she takes half a bite of this very tiny candy. And then she feeds the other half to Richard. It's like, to me, like, uh, like no shade to Richard. If he finds that attractive, I think that's really weird. Like, I think it's, like, strange when people take, like, more than one bite of small things. Like, everything about, like, what she's, like, her choices feel weird. And, like, he, even he's playing it, like, kind of cool. Where she goes, like, oh, like, chocolate. Like, and he's, like, oh, it's your weakness. And then he kind of is, like, coy and, like, flirty. Like, oh, but do I need chocolate? And then she's kind of like going all in about like, well, you're giving me this orgasm right now with this chocolate I'm eating. It's a little much even for him. You can tell like he's like, wow, she's very turned on by this single bite of what I assume is very luxurious chocolate. That's the only excuse I will give to eating a piece of chocolate like that in multiple bites is that that must be one hell of a piece of chocolate. Right. It's like it's literally making her ready to like pull over and like have sex right now i don't have that experience with chocolate i can't say i've ever felt you know horny because of chocolate i don't have that experience with like anything except for alcohol like i can't there's very few things that have ever like really turned me on to the point where she's like she's like truly like trying to goad him to like be like pull the car over like like i'm ready like it's we need very, to do this. It's like kind of like, is it the oysters or is it like the three bottles of champagne you drank while eating the oysters? Um, so Ashley heads out to the house that Carrie shares with Anna. It's like, you know, totally different vibes over there. She very much seems like a rich girl sort of scared in a blue collar neighborhood. And this little old lady who's so cute with her blue dress and her blue overcoat, like her little raincoat and her white purse comes out. And she is another bill. This old woman spills all of the tea to the point that it's almost a violation, if I'm being honest. And 
She is low-key a sex-negative icon, the way this woman delivers this information. I had to include it, uh, 102.20 to 103.03. Can I help you? Oh, um, my my friend Carrie lives here. I was just trying to see if she's home. You're one of Carrie's friends. Well, she left a couple weeks ago. Just Anna living there now. Anna? Yeah, Anna. You never met her? No. Um... Was there a guy named Frank living here? Anna's got men that go in and out of there quite a bit. Not sure if there was a Frank or not, but they don't stay long. I see. Um, well, thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. Men coming and going. What do you think? I think she says it in this way that's like so innocent or like at least that's how she like comes off as like as like, oh, yeah, you know, some men kind of just come through. There's like definitely some judgment in her voice, but it's so funny that the information I think she's trying to like casually relay is like kind of like intense information to like be getting about a stranger. Oh, I totally did not think that I was thinking she's like looking for any excuse to get those two out of the neighborhood. You think I kind of I thought she was just being gossipy. I guess I could see it that she's like, I don't like what they're like bringing to the streets. And like, I don't want I mean, I could totally see that she's like she's like super judgmental of their presence and like what they're doing. I felt like she was like being kind of a gossip and just being like an innocent little lady. But that's me being Ashley. No, old people don't like foot traffic. That's true. They don't like they don't like noise and they don't like when one house is the source of it. Yeah. Like and also why does like why does anyone have a good reason to have people coming in and out all day? That's that's weed weed seller material. Bottom line minimum. Right. Like I understand the actual activity of what they're doing is questionable and like I mean, because I'm not like 95, if I lived in like a neighborhood where someone was doing that, I just like, oh, yeah, that's a house where people are always doing that. But like, I wouldn't like I wouldn't like the first time I get someone asking me like that about like that house, I wouldn't say like, oh, my God. So here's all of the things that like are fucked up about that place. No, I feel like if Anna was like a notary public, like and she had a good reason to have people coming and going all day, like she still wouldn't fuck with this. But. All of this is to say that, you know, Ashley has some good information. So Ashley and Matt are like behind the bar and Ashley's having her like detective moment. And she says that she doesn't think there was a Frank like at all. Like, yeah, which is like, bless your heart that like that, like so much has transpired. And now you're going back to like one of the first details your your coworkers ever mentioned about her life. Well, like the reason why she had to move in was because poor Frank got murdered. And so she's like, yeah, you know, um, Carrie's friend Anna has a criminal past, according to Marty's brother. And they were friends growing up. And after she got out of prison, she lived with her and Marty for a few months. Then she just like leached off of them until she got a job riding a cab. And Carrie's never even mentioned this Anna person to her. She feels like there's a lot of weirdness around her. And Matt's like, you know what? You should talk about it when she's back in town. Like poor Matt is like so like God bless him. Like this man 
is not on the same level. He's like, he's really trying, but like, I feel like Matt is overwhelmed. He's like got his brother to think about. He's basically the entire emotional support for his girlfriend who like, I really don't see returning the favor in any way. No, you're right. I feel like he's really like giving his all to everyone else. And he's working like crazy bartender hours. So he's like doing so much, but like very few times in the movie, does anyone ever say like, Matt, how are you doing? Like nobody checks in. Right. Like if Matt, Matt wouldn't even like be called to solve a murder, let alone, you know what I mean? Matt doesn't have, there's no occasion in Matt's life that would pop up where she could return this favor. That's a great point. So Richard and Carrie are having dinner and he's like, you know, you look beautiful and she's acting all bashful. And Richard's like, no, you're one of the most sexiest and alluring women I've ever met. So Matt's reading the paper behind the bar when he spots something. And Ashley, you know, she's waiting on a whole table. She's taking their order and she gets a little tap on the shoulder from him. She excuses herself to look at the paper and it's official. Paula was murdered. Her body was discovered like she was identified. And the last thing she did was tell people that she was calling a cab to go to the airport. And Ashley's like, Carrie had something to do with this. And Matt's like, well, how would she know her? And this is where Ashley has like her big detective moment. She's like, they met, they met. So um, she's got to call her dad and she thrusts the paper back into Matt's hands and then just like completely abandons her table and goes over to the corner of the restaurant, which by the way, this cell phone behavior at the restaurant is egregious. Yeah. I mean, honestly, their cell phone behavior in general, just, it feels very like what you do when like a phone is just new. Right. It, it's like it's this is like what um, etiquette like phone etiquette articles. Do you remember we had to live through like a, an entire decade and a half of just like how you should behave on your cell phone? Like <laughs> this seems like obvious, like you're going to get fired if you're making phone calls on the floor. So, you know, her dad's in the shower when she tries to call and Carrie overhears it. And she like comes out and she picks up the phone. She's like, don't you ruin this for me. So then she, you know, Ashley tries to call the landline in the hotel and Carrie just fully like unplugs the phone. So Ashley's like leaving messages everywhere she can. The shower finally turns off. And at that point, Ashley, she's in sync with this moment. And she's like, I got to go like drive to Cape May right now. And he's like, well, if you just wait a little bit, I can come with you. She's like, no, I got to go right now. She kisses him goodbye. She leaves him with they do this like reverse shot and then like a pan around the restaurant. And it seems Mm -hmm. like and I think she is leaving him with like 100 (laughs) customers and he has to like work the tables and be the bartender. When that happened, I. I wrote down, is she the manager? Because I, in what other like dynamic could she decide in the middle of a shift, like on like what seems like a a busy weekend tonight? Like, I'm just going to actually bounce on a lark that's entirely personal. Like in what worlds do you get to just do that? This is what feels so Vanderpump about it is that she is leaving work in the middle of a huge shift 
to go track down another waitress who's entangled <laughs> herself with like a very personal part of her life. And so right. like n- not even Lisa would hate like and I kind of consider Lisa to be a hater. Not even Lisa would hate on this, but like it's still it's out of control. Like the manager is going to have some major work to do when they come in on Monday. So they're like, you know, about they get to it. We get to see a, a full blown bone sesh between Carrie and Richard oh, and why bad. they chose the two most like unlikely people we'd want to see bang in this movie. I don't know why, but they did. They did. And they didn't even have like, which I, which honestly feels off brand for a lifetime is they didn't even build it up to this, like really like beautiful moment or like these, like this sort of like really elegant scene. It's like, she's in like some sort of like, uh, again, like tiered ruffle, like, like Teddy, that's just really ugly. And she's sort of like hanging around and they're like drinking champagne and stuff. And then he sort of just like escorts her into the room where they like, just get under like these like very thick, like brocade covers. Oh God. And, I know. And then they're just sort of like humping slowly, which is like, it's like, it's like, it's not, it's not like technical enough for it to be like, okay, they're like fucking, but they're like, not like making love. No, I wrote, it's like passionate middle-aged people love. Like they are, you know, he's definitely on the older side of that spectrum. She's definitely getting fucked by a guy that's like, you know, 15 years older than her. And like, like kind of like the weird zone, he's getting to the weird zone. So like, it is what it is for that, but you're right about the brocade thing. And I would think that he would know to peel that back being the traveler that he is that like, that's not really, you don't sleep with that on top of you. Right. Like that, especially in hotels, like that top blanket is so stiff. It's like not meant. It's like you either sleep on it because you like don't like the sheets and you think they're dirty or you pull that off and then there's like a comforter or something underneath that. And like, that's like what you actually sleep with because the top thing is like decorative bedding. I also assumed that this was their second time banging. I kind of thought that they did it the first night. Oh, right. It's like basically implied that the night she sleeps over in his house, like they have sex. So yeah, Yeah, that's, that's what got him whipped dog. Uh, you know what it's funny you say that because the amount of like shit that she like her skeletons and like the amount of like stuff that she was just like doing with him and like the like his like in the or is like is like desire to like sort of like sacrifice his daughter for this woman i was like this woman must have the most perfect pussy on earth like how in the world is she keeping this she's like this man's willing to like have a schism of his family he's willing to like throw his day away he's willing to like basically like make her his like wife after like three weeks of dating like how what is this sex life well she has you know she has pussy that anna's willing to bet on like even anna's like no whatever she does it's fucking crazy dude like you got to send her in there shit what she can do with her vagina is equal to what i can do with a gun she's like an olympian like like pussy person like it's like she's yeah she's crazy too so there's that right i'm sure I'm sure she's like blowing his mind with sex, but like, I just, I have to wonder like where the bar is for Richard. For sure. Oh, of course. Yeah. There's that too. So of course, you know, we know Ashley's car is overdue for work. So she 
starts to just flail on the freeway and she pulls over into a gas station. Again, another character we didn't need, but that I loved is this kind old man who's running Velo's gas station. And he tells her, you know, you're cool. You have a cooler leak coming out of your radiator. You can't drive tonight. I really think you should like, you know, consider leaving your car here. We'll get it fixed. And the way to Kate May, it's it's long and desolate. So she's like, all right, I'm just going to make a call before I decide. And she calls the hotel manager to transfer to Richard's room does not go through. So she leaves a message that she's at Velo's gas station on the interstate because her car broke down on the way to Kate May. And Richard is passed out after sex, but 35 year old Carrie still has some energy. So she gets up to like quietly check the messages on the room phone. And she hears Ashley's message and is like, all right, I know what I got to do. Then Ashley calls the front desk one more time. And she asks the hotel manager to like, she asks the hotel manager to personally deliver the message to Richard that she's lost on the side of the highway and she needs a phone call immediately. And then as he's finishing the message, Miss Thing comes down and is like, oh, don't worry. He already got the message. I'm on my way to go pick her up. So Ashley did everything right here. Yeah, she was being she was being like actually uncharacteristically responsible and resourceful. Like she was trying her hardest to like get in touch with her dad and then also like let everyone know where she was. She like, she was keeping, she basically letting everyone keep tabs on their location. She was setting up like the most safe way to do this possible. It did drive me a little crazy when she calls the restaurant back and like Matt is like washing up dishes next to the phone, but it's like the phone's clearly like ringing over the sound of the dishes. It's like your job when you work at like a really busy, loud place is to also be able to listen for the phone. So it's like, it did kind of like irk me that like yet again, like Matt, like is not there in a time of need for her. Like that's like a weird like trend in their relationship. But also like she left him with a hundred customers and like that's his cell phone. That shouldn't even be out on the bar if I'm being a dick. I mean, I didn't even, the ring was so, the ringtone that they used or like the ring sound was so like landline that it didn't even occur to me that that would be his cell phone. But yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then that's like, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty bad, like work etiquette. So where we go to from there is that this old man comes out of the gas station and is like, I have to go home. If my (laughs) wife wasn't so sick and I needed to get to her, you know, I'd offer you a ride. And she's like, no problem. And he's like, well, here's a card for a cab company. Like, let me call them for you. She's like, no, I'll do it for myself. So she waits out there, which I think is pretty fucking brave. And, um, I, you know, I miss this old man already. I want to know, is he going to come back for us? Because I love this old man. Then she sees a familiar car coming towards her and she thinks her dad is finally there. But when she leans over, she sees that, no, it's fucking Carrie. So this is the longest scene I'm going to play. It's the longest scene in the whole movie. This is the big breakdown. I'll pause it a couple times so we can jump in. But this is basically where all communication breaks down between these two. 115.31 to 120.40. Where's my father? Oh, he had a little too much to drink and passed out, so 
When I got your message, you were stranded. I hopped in the car and drove out here. I just didn't want him to drive himself or you in that condition. Get in. What's wrong? I'll drive you back to the hotel. Why wasn't he answering his cell phone tonight? Oh, he turned it off so we could have a quiet evening. Ashley, what's wrong? You're acting really weird. I'm not getting in the car with you. Why not? I talked to Marty's brother. So? So? I know you lied to me, Carrie. You didn't go live with some guy named Frank. You own a house. Ashley, you're not making any sense right now. I never lied to you. I was living with Frank, and I assume you're talking about the house on Wesley Street? It belongs to a friend of mine who put it in my name. Your friend Anna? The one who was in prison? Yes. She couldn't get it on her own because of her credit, so I told her I'd get the loan for her. Look, I don't know what Roland told you, but he hates me. And he loves to stir up trouble. Now, it's cold and it's dark out here. Let's just get in the car and I'll explain it everything in detail. Please, you can ask me anything you want. You know what I think, Carrie? What? I think you became friends with me to get close to my dad. I would say at this point, I would have... I would have thought that she covered for her lies well enough that I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have taken it here. Because where is she going to go right now? Yeah, I thought it was a mistake for her to be like, okay, this is where I open up a confrontation about like what's going on. Like, there's obviously no way to know what would have happened if she got in the car. Like, maybe that would have been the end for her. But it is it is a little dumb to be like, not only am I going to step to you right now, but I'm going to do it when I have very little way to get away. There's like no one else around, which side note, I'm extremely thankful that they didn't kill that old guy off. I was so nervous he was going to get murdered. The little, like, the little shop guy. I'm glad he was able to just go safely home to his wife at the end of the night. But yeah, I feel like she she got a little brave and then she did something really dumb, which is like, see that this woman is kind of unhinged or at least her story is unhinged. And then like, without any safe way of like leaving the situation, be like, I'm going to challenge everything you've said to me and to tell you why I believe you're like wrong or like why I am exposing you when like maybe I would have kind of played along and then gotten into the car and then been like, take me to the hotel. So at least my dad would have done. I mean, like, listen, I I never sat with these problems as Ashley. But in terms of like, if I was Ashley and I could rewrite the movie of my life, what I would have done here is do a reverse of what Carrie did to get into the house where I'd be like, I thought about it and I feel like I handled things really badly when I found out about you and my dad. And I thought Mm. maybe I could be in Cape May tomorrow with you guys and spend the day getting to know you. That makes total sense. I mean, that's the best scenario. Like, yeah, with a person like Carrie, you want to, like, placate them as much as possible so that you can, like, very slowly, like, safely, like, expose them. But, like, yeah, I mean, she goes 
Ashley goes zero to 100 on like going from like, okay, I think Carrie's like a little bit suspicious to being like, all right, you bitch. Like, I know what you did, which is like a little to say it with your chest for the like circumstances you're in right now. Yeah. It's just you and me out here. You fucking lying bitch. So and you don't um, have any weapons. You have no defense for yourself and your car doesn't work. So picking up here at 117.23. No, I didn't. Why would I do that? You're after his money. That's insane. And that's something Roland would say. Like, I care about you and your father. And I'm not a bad person. Ashley, I am falling for your dad. He is a terrific guy. And I deserve that. I deserve someone who treats me well and doesn't lie to me. But you lied when you told me you had no place to live. No, I didn't. I already explained that. Why won't you believe me? Because you had a place with Anna. (sighs) Why can't you just appreciate everything I've done for you? I've done so much. I practically saved your life when you accidentally ate that fish sauce. You said it yourself. If it weren't for me, you could have died. Fish sauce? How do you know what made me sick? Okay, this isn't as big of a smoking gun as like she's treating it in my mind. Like I would have assumed it was probably something like fish sauce too. Well, I think it's like very, it's obviously like hyper specific for her to throw like that like reference out like, oh, like, like I helped you when you actually ate that fish sauce. Like how would you have actually known what, like what made her sick and like why do you know that's what set her off instead of just some reaction to anything she ate like I understand why the specificity of like what she said like tips her off but it's so many it'd be like literally if they had if they had a a salad with like walnuts in it like so many people have nut allergies so many people have shellfish allergies that it's like a little too common for it not to be like normal that she would have like immediately gone to like okay well you ate fish Right. Well, we know it's fish because that's the only thing that she's that allergic to. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it's not telling that Carrie like like pointedly used that against or like tried to poison her. It's not telling that she brought up fish sauce because so many people are allergic to fish. I feel you. I feel you. Okay. Um, I'll keep playing this out. This is um one eighteen twenty-four. I don't know. fish sauce shrimp but whatever the point is i've been a really good friend to you (sighs) (laughs) ashley please just trust me let's just drive back to the hotel and i'll tell you anything you want to know who are you calling i'm calling the hotel i want them to go wake up my dad don't please listen to me Listen to me. You're crazy. Don't ever say that, you ungrateful, rich little bitch. (sighs) You don't even realize what you have, the way you treat your father. I would give anything to have a tenth of what you have. I had nothing growing up. You have no idea what it's like to be so poor you have nothing, to wear the same shoes year after year even though they're too small to eat your lunch in the bathroom because you're too embarrassed the other kids will see all you packed was some crackers and a few little squares of government cheese. Carrie, calm down. No! 
They're not going to calm down. Okay, so I think this is like, that's the the speech that makes me tip to thinking that like she and Anna operate under a you couldn't possibly understand mentality. Like, I think that that's I think that's supposed to be their thing as weak as it is. Yeah, I mean, to go back to like an earlier conversation, you can't operate as a like us versus everybody. And like, that's like, that's how they like think. It's like, it's like we're taking on like the world because like we were dealt such terrible hands that it really is like us versus the rest of like the world, basically. And what's sad is like at 35, you would think almost everyone would have had that sorted out. Yeah, I mean, she's she's at an age where like it's really like everyone's been through some shit. So it's like she it's starting to be like, okay, like your your leeway on like being bad (laughs) because of this, like is like diminishing like like pretty quickly. Rapidly, yeah, for sure. So she's gotten this like broken bottle out of a trash can and she's wielding it. And, you know, as usual, I don't like to get into the choreography of this stuff too much, but I will say that like at one point, Carrie does get close to her and Ashley finds an empty plastic gas tank and hits her over the head with it. It's a little like three stooges and she (laughs) runs like into the main road. And thankfully at that very moment, and I kept thinking like privilege, privilege, privilege. It's like all I could think while this was happening, a police officer pulled up and the officer stops because he sees that she's like very distressed. And she's like, this woman is crazy. She was trying to like, cut me with a broken bottle. And of course, Carrie had thrown the bottle like basically as soon as the police car showed itself. But, um, you know, she's like, no, officer, I swear. So she like points to this bottle that somehow miraculously is not broken. And he's like, all right, come with me. So we see Richard running into the police station where Ashley is bent over in this like waiting area. And um, in the interrogation room, Carrie's refusing to speak until her lawyer gets there. Carrie very much has been here before. Yeah, like she either either she hasn't and like Anna's coached her well or like, yeah, like she's already dealt with this. The fact that like she pulled off like in hindsight, like her ability to like pull off this like big framing of like her ex-husband does make it seem like she's had some practice. So like her like having to like come down and like make a statement and like be treated as like a suspect and like be a witness. Like all of that does feel a little like old hat. She's like, Oh yeah, this is just like a Tuesday. Well, all I can imagine whenever people say that is like, it's a real G move to be able to wait, you know, like I, if I was there for something I didn't do and they were like, no, 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 no. Like, you can talk to us or wait for your lawyer. I would wait for my lawyer, but I would probably say some incriminating stuff in the meanwhile, simply just because I couldn't believe I was there. And you have to get like, if you want to see a lawyer, you're probably going to get booked for the night. Like, your lawyer's not coming out to Cape May at 2.15 a.m. Yeah, it's also like... It's like if I am if if I'm getting like pulled into this situation and I'm like wildly innocent and it's all like just a big misunderstanding, like I probably will wait for my lawyer because that's smart. But the first thing I'm going to tell you is I'm innocent. This is a big misunderstanding. And I'm going to probably talk at you for like two to three hours where I continue to like illustrate why I'm innocent. And this is a big misunderstanding. So it's like when your first like response, when someone like says, like, do you want to tell us what happened is like, I'm going to wait for my lawyer. It's like, that's a pretty good omission that like, 
or a pretty good admission that you're like very guilty. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like we watch it on SVU. Like the minute someone asks for their lawyer, they're like, mm, guilty. <laughs> yeah, that's um, like how you know. That's a telltale sign. So Ashley's told her dad about Paula and it's like hitting him like, oh, God, a lot of a lot of people died for me to get laid. Um, <laughs> the cop comes out and tells them that they're good to go and they're charging Carrie with assault and battery. So Richard apologizes to Ashley and he's like, are you sure you don't want to go to the ER for that cut on your hand? And she's like, no, I'm fine, dad. And he goes, that's your decision. And this is like his big olive branch, right? Is that she's making the decision. And this is what I had in my notes of like, Richard, like your daughter has an open wound. She got from like fighting with your like horny gold digging girlfriend, like (laughs) make her go to the hospital. Like this is from a bottle that's loose on like a, a New York state freeway. Like what the fuck, what is going on here, dude? Yeah. This is like another time where like, we're like trying to be like cool. Dad is like not the move like earlier too. It's like when your daughter like says like, okay, on my own time, I'll go to the mechanic. Like as a dad, you probably got to step in and be like, no, take your car in. Like to not to be like, okay, like you're like literally like her body, her choicing her on whether or not to treat this, like potentially like, like very damaging open wound that she got from fighting. It's like, it's like, that's when maybe you should, be like a dad and be like, actually, I don't care. We're going to the hospital so you can get that treated. Like, what's it going to look like if that gets infected? And then like, she's like, oh, I have to get this amputated because I like didn't care. You're so right, dude. I thought the exact same thing that like he's approaching this from like a plan, like a like a place of planned parenthood, parenthood where he's like, oh, she like she said, no, she wants to do that with her body. Like he's very woman's rights with that issue. So one week later, we're at the police station. I, I have to play this clip. I'm sorry. 123.15 to 124.02. So we are charging her with conspiracy to commit murder and a whole host of other things, thanks to you. We were also able to trace the last cab that Paula Wickless got into back to Anna Prieta. Given all the new information, the DA is going to move to have Marty Remington's conviction overturned. Sure, he'll be happy to hear that. Well, good luck to both of you. Thanks. Thank you, Lieutenant. Oh, and Ashley, uh, you might want to consider living alone for a while. Good advice. (laughs) I love that. What, that she that the police officer is the one that she trusts or that she's finally interested or that she's like able to laugh at like how horrible that was. I don't know. I guess that they even gave him the bit like it's like, so not his place to chime in with that. And I like love that they couldn't resist from like giving that guy the bit to like dunk on this girl whose life has completely fallen apart. Yeah. It is like a fun little roast because even even with just the like literal facts of the case laid out in front of him, like even a random stranger can see that she made a bunch of terrible choices to get there. I do think it's so funny at the end that they're like, wow, we solved this completely unconnected murder that we had completely closed the case on because something unrelated came in. Like, 
Like what, like, like Marty, like the, the murder that like Marty, like, like supposedly committed, like that case was like cold. Like why in the world would having like booked uh, his ex-wife reopen that case? No, I know. I know. It's insane. Pigeon. Sorry. Why are you? Okay. Kitty. Um, So yeah, I definitely don't think that's how exonerating someone works. But um, okay, so Matt and Ashley are out for her birthday lunch and there's this weird bit. They never like follow up on it, but she's like, let me open my present. And he's like, no, it's not present time yet. And then her dad pulls up and they're all in a much better place. You can tell he fucks with Matt now, like they're all fine. And he gives Ashley her present a week at his lodge. He just finished renovating during spring break. And one more thing, he wants Matt to fulfill an order for him. He needs 17 paintings at his new hotel in Jersey. (laughs) And he better give him a good deal because they're almost family. And Matt goes, I think we can work something out, dad. Um, And they all have this like laugh. And then we zoom away before we finally cut to our last moment here. Pennsylvania Women's Correctional Facility. Carrie is this is they this has been a curse of mine. All pandemic is this is how we end movies that have like crazy or problematic female figures. They always wind up in jail and they're always about to go on their next journey. She's reading um, a magazine called The Rich Life and reading about rich men. I feel like I love I love that they set her up to be so she's so motivated by like the idea that like she can just have like a rich carefree life that she'll literally like like kill people being in a prison like it's like this being what like drives her is so funny because imagine if she took all that energy and then just like kind of got like a cool career. No, I know. And I agree with you. I was going to say like. Why doesn't she just like get a job with all that energy? But like, let's be real. There's nothing that she's going to be good enough at that could top what she could get by marrying a very like already established guy at this point in her life. However, what I think this woman could kill it at is an MLM. Oh, my God. She would be so I mean, she's. She's like a natural saleswoman, like total natural saleswoman, totally good at making you feel like, you know, her and that she knows how to like meet your needs, you know, like, oh, what you're experiencing here is not, you know, not that your father hates your boyfriend. You haven't found a positive spin yet. Let's like look at a brown eyeshadow like she Carrie has that energy. No, she would be so she'd be so good at recruiting. She'd be so good at like managing like that that is what her next journey should be. But I think what I've learned from Carrie is that she doesn't want, she doesn't want to be rich by her own making. She wants like, like wealth by osmosis. So it's like, she wouldn't even want, like she could totally run an empire of like, you know, beauty and skincare, but like, she doesn't actually want that. She just wants a super rich husband. Yeah. That's what she's decided in her small mind. And I don't know if she and Anna are ever going to be friends again. I'm going to go and say it. I think that she and Anna are donezo. I could really see like Anna coming back, like into like the mix because of the case. And then Carrie just completely like being a Judas being like, I don't know her. Like she, It feels like Alex and Piper in orange is the new black a little bit where it's like these two can't escape each other. 
It, yeah. Oh, I could, I mean, even that, like I could literally see in a, like winding up in the same prison that carries in and then they have to sort of like scheme their way back out. But I could really also first like see her, like just completely like turning her back on her and then just being like, I don't know you like, and yeah. then just finding like a new kind of like, like codependent Mark to like, like scheme with like Carrie just seems so like tunnel vision on her goal that like she She'll do whatever it takes, which is like, it's like the scariest type of person who like has no, like no personal shame and like no like personal, like intimate relationships to like, to like hold them back. Respect. You know, I gotta, I just, because I so don't identify with it. I gotta respect it. I'm like, life must be, if you're rocking at that level, life must be pretty hardcore. Yeah, she's I mean, she's going to get it like that's like that's like what those type of people it's like it sucks because eventually like they're going to get it. Erica, this was so much fun. I just realized I've taken up four hours of your life talking about this movie. Um, I want to thank you so fucking much for coming on. This was like a blast to like catch up with you and to hear your thoughts. I love your mind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, Oh, my gosh. My pleasure. As always, all of our information for our guests, Erica, anything you want to find about her will that she wants you to find will be available in the description of this podcast. And yeah, this was a blast. Thank you so much for for doing this old Tumblr, bud. Of course. I mean, I this was a great excuse to watch a Lifetime movie three times. And it. what else was I going to do on a Sunday? Now I get to go eat dinner. That's great. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited to see what's going on with the Grammys. Um, I, I don't know why I am. I just earnestly am. I don't know. This year hasn't offered up much more. So I guess I care about the Grammys now. Yeah, I mean, they're in person. So at least the the, the artists. So like uh, we get a red carpet again, which like we, we don't we deserve that and we don't get it spicy. Um, OK, you guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good week. Bye. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.